on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Nick will be back with Matt to break down the excellent two-part mid-season drop of The Bad Badge, which featured Star Wars politics galore and another reason Star Wars has one of the most successful big bads of all time. Thanks to D. Bradley Baker, they'll speculate on an upcoming episode of Bad Batch that will feature what he considers to be a crosshair standout and why. They'll then switch gears to the Mandalorian Season 3's Empire Mag coverage and a little Andor S2 set leak action. Young Jedi Adventures will also be discussed, and of course, the show will end with the Question of the Week segment and the latest round of Star Wars fan artist features. Punch a chewy. everybody hey now oh my goodness are we late or what today but there are good reasons for us being late i'm sure at this point according to youtube you probably can't even see the stream because it's saying our bitrate sucks even though it doesn't i had my mic crashing out nick couldn't hear me i couldn't record <laughs> my audio what is going on today ah it's going to be one of those technical difficulty laden Star Wars time shows. But hey now, hey now, hey now, we are back. It's the post Super Bowl SWTS. Come on, Google. I can tell you I am outputting <laughs> 9,000 kbps. You liar. It's not 411. But oh, well, maybe you all can can hear us at least. Who knows? It, it's just like I said, it's going to be kind of one of those um, f- fucky type of tech days. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Started off like that. We'll see where we go from here. Oh man! <laughs> like I, I just like YouTube is still it, it, Nick. You should see it. it's like stop, stop. Your bitrate blows. Everything sucks. And I'm just going like you know what? Too bad. We've already hit the go button. It is what it is. We're here to talk Star Wars. We're here to talk Hogwarts Legacy, Super Bowl movie trailers. Maybe The Last of Us, you never know where this show's going to go, but boy, oh boy, do we have some fun Bad Batch talk today after that mid-season two-part drop that Jared and I told you was going to be great last week, and it paid off on our our predictions. In fact, Nick, I I think Jared and I, we nailed our summaries of the clone conspiracy, but then we epically failed our predictions for truth and consequences, but you know, you, you can't okay. win them all. A yeah, win's yeah. a win. So if you are ready to send your medals, trophies, whatever, paintings, commemorative <laughs> coins, let me know. And I will forward those to Jared because he, he does get a piece of those awards from last week's speculative wins for sure. Yeah. Woo. But yeah, hey, look who's back. Young I'm Nick, back. he, he has returned. Where the fuck were you again? I, I didn't even remember where you went. I was just like, Nick's on one of his <laughs> 10 vacations He's throughout the year, somewhere. so who knows? He's somewhere. Uh, Taylor and I went to Denver. We went to Denver for a, a short weekend or a long weekend, I guess you would did, say. Did you roll days. through any of the, the fun stores or were you having some wholesome yeah, no, fun this, this week? We, we, we did. We stopped. I mean, it was basically like we were only there for four days. So we went to uh, a shop 
first day we got there, picked some stuff up, and that and that just kind of lasted us through the trip. Um, yeah. and then after that, we just uh we we just kind of meandered around the city. We met up with a couple of our friends, like our old neighbors who had moved from Austin to Denver. We hung out with them a couple of days when we were there. Uh, we went to uh, an art exhibit. If you've ever heard of this exhibit called Meow Wolf, it's a very interesting and like trippy, fun type of thing. It's it's basically like a they call it like an interdimensional like you know convergence station. Get, it's, do, do they sell mushrooms in Colorado yet, or has that not been? I approved? think that, I, I actually I do know think it was on they, there. I know it was something they could vote on at one point in time. <laughs> so they did they they did pass it, but they don't sell them yet. So that it wasn't ah oh, shit because this thing sounded uh, meow wolf, aka the the distant relative of Beowulf, yeah. actually sounds <laughs> like uh you know some some cybacillum would have helped with that. Yeah, no. For sure. I mean, it was. I, I bet. So I bet cool. Denver. I, so I've cool. never been there, but I, I bet Denver has to be one of the most beautiful cities in in all of America. Oh, if, oh, yeah. Right? Is that a true statement? Am, am I pulling shit out of my ass, or I, is I've that, been there that close? A couple times, and it is. It's a very pretty, uh, very pretty city. When we were there this time around, like we didn't catch any snow while we were there, but there there was just like a like a windfall of snow that had just passed through, so there's still yeah. like snow on the street stuff like that but it's it is it's it's a, it's a, it's very a city just like wrapped with with mountain faces i mean do you do you feel like you're yeah. in a valley almost or are you on top of one of the mountains no so we weren't like you can definitely see mountains from a lot of the areas that you'll stay um and it's like snow capped like beautiful did you pass out peaks. at all were you able to breathe you know like sometimes nfl so players can't even play there because of the air so thin <laughs> It's funny because uh, the first day we were there, like we were walking around like uh, where our hotel was and we were just like walking to uh, a, a restaurant that was close by to go get lunch. And we had to walk uphill for it. And both me uh -oh. and Taylor were like, oh, oh my God, Can you, are you okay? Can you breathe? I don't know if we can make it. <laughs> give, me, give me a hit of that vape pen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it does like if you're not used to the elevation which of course i'm not i've lived in louisiana for 27 years which yeah is, i mean th this guy's like a, level he's like the fucking swamp thing i mean th this guy yeah. was born in the bayou i mean his, his lungs yeah. are they're precious they they can't survive that thin air yeah so <laughs> it took for the, the, the oh, first you guys day, needed definitely. some one wheels are you seeing one wheels <laughs> out there i feel like denver would be a one wheel town although i guess this time God. of year you're probably not gonna see many one wheels out and about yeah, no, I don't know if it was because there was just a lot of like snow and ice still on the ground or what, but we yeah. didn't see, we didn't even really see, I mean, we saw the electric scooters like along the streets and stuff, but we didn't even really see anybody using them. And, um, and you guys aren't, aren't skiers or boarders, so you didn't, you didn't hit any of the slopes. All right, no. got you. No, got yeah, you. I mean, like really the, the only reason we went is because we found flights from Austin to Denver for $35 round trip Shit. yeah why not i mean yeah so we i mean like, if you're you i mean you guys are what heather and i used to be you're dinks i'm not yeah. being mean you're dual income no kids so yeah y you might as well right i mean are you close to the airports or was is it a bitch to like drive oh, the airport? No. i mean like we're like we're a 15 minute drive from the austin airport whoa, so whoa, like whoa. we were very close well nick then, my, uh, my my valentine just showed up here today here she is, the little one. Where'd you get that? Who Mom, got... 
Mom gave me three things. One of them is this. Ooh, well, Daddy has a, a special gift for you that I'll give you after the show, but I'll show everyone. Of course, it's themed Star Wars. Nice. And it may or may not be from the Enso family of products. Uh, <laughs> I, know I, I am now a VIP at that, this store because I've spent so much money on silicone from them. But we'll save this for after the show, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. Okay. Good Happy to have you Valentine's. back. Come here. All right. See you, bud. Okay. Sorry, Nick. Uh, yeah, we, we, after what happened two weeks ago, we, we got to stop everything when the little lady gets home. You know what I mean? Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember. You were here for that, right? Yeah. You, you, yeah. yeah. You were here for the break. Okay. Good. He was very upset. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm jealous. I mean, not that I really feel like getting on a plane ever again, but Denver would be a place to go. And I, I've got like a, one of my one of my great friends lives out there, so it's like I, I my only excuse is I don't want to fuck with a plane. It's not oh I'm scared or this or mass or that. Flying sucks. It's fucking miserable. Okay, there, there, there's there's no there's no fun in flying unless I can somehow get my wife to get me a ferry flight on net jets and ride a private jet by myself somewhere. Then I might consider it, but getting on a commercial flight. COVID was the best thing ever because it finally gave me like, all right, I've pushed this off long enough. Now I can just tell people I'm never flying again and <laughs> they won't give me any shit. I just, I hate the process of flying. I hate waiting in lines. I hate the people at the airport. I hate the TSA. I hate the people at the gate. I hate the people on my plane. I, I just, I hate the entire experience. And then it, it, when it's all over, it's like, Oh, thank God I'm here. And now I got six more days before I got to do it again and, and leave on a fucking thing. So, man, yeah. well, that's cool. It was, yeah, it was a good time. I think you should definitely go. I don't, I'm not sure what the drive is from uh, Columbus. Well, I, I'm not one of those Denver. dickheads either where it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to drive across the country because I want to fly. Like, I'm, let, let's just say I'm, I'm biding my time. I'm, I'm trying to go as long as possible without having to fly. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying I'm <laughs> never going to do it again, but don't, don't, you know, put words into my wife's ears and shit. Uh, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, let's go to the East coast beach. We, we need to drive. Cause we, you know, we need chairs and coolers and stuff. You can't bring those on a plane. Like that's, that's the rap I've been, I've been rolling with for the past three years. So I'm going to keep, keep at it. <laughs> Yeah, no, 100%. I, just, yeah, dude, I, mean, I don't want to deal after, with it. Do, do you have TSA pre-check at least? Like, no. are you one like, I, I even have that and I don't want to fly like that. And everyone listening to me right now, if you're someone that needs to fly on a regular basis and you don't have TSA pre-check, you're an asshole. Okay. Just get it. I know. I know. Like, oh, I don't want to be all that. And guess what? We're tracked everywhere. We're, our names are on every list. They know what we're doing. I've been talking about getting into guitar again. And guess what? My fucking phone is doing nonstop. Hey, musician. Hey, guitar tricks. Hey, Fender play. Hey, chord buddy. Blah blah blah. I mean, come on. They they know everything about us. So go get your TSA pre check. That way you can literally skip the long lines of security and at least just only minimally want to stab people in the shorter line where you don't have to go through the uh, the full TSA kit and caboodle. So that's a pro yeah, tip I out just, there. Like, I got so used to it. I, I mean, like as soon as I moved here, you know, I was flying back home two, three times a year. So it's just like, yeah. it, it, it like the, like international flights. Yeah. Those still bother me just because I'm not used to being on a plane for 
you know, 10 plus hours at a time. And like that really just starts to get annoying. And like, I can't, I don't sleep well on planes. So it's, I'm not one of those oh, people. Dude, if I like, had to do, if I had to go to Hawaii again, which I'd love to, I, I mean, I, I love it out there, but it is, like you said, it's, it's eight to 10 hours, especially from where I'm at in the shit West. I, I would, I would probably have to be heavily medicated or, or bring a lot of, a lot of gummies or, 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 you know, like, like pills. Yeah. To just yeah. To, to completely like comatose my ass. Like I, I want to just be laying in the chair with, with drool and shit coming out to where they have to wheel me out at the end <laughs> and dump me off at curbside and be like, hey, who's picking up this asshole? So, all right. Well, that's good. You didn't, you didn't miss much here. I mean, we, uh, I don't know if you went back and watched the Gunji episode because you, you yeah. didn't really have to. It's not part of your homework. But, you know, Jared and I, we had a good time breaking that one down and, uh, we actually went on all sorts of random tangents, had a nice long show. We, we, we dove into the, even though probably not a good idea, we dove into the Hogwarts legacy, uh, the, 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 the drama surrounding it, you know, with some outlets kind of virtue signaling their intents for the game and what we were going to do. And, and sure shit, I got the graphic up right now on the live stream. So progress has been made on, on my time with Hogwarts legacy. I, I did end up getting a code from one of my uh, gaming buddies. It's always good to have them in my network. Uh, I, I got an early unlock code, so I, I was playing a bit before it came out Friday. na 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 boo boo Stick your head in poo-poo. Um, but I, I'll tell you what, man. Nick and I were talking about this game before we went live, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of give you my quick review. I've got about seven hours logged into it. Uh, I'm playing on the PS5, so there's my platform. Uh, I'm running uh, Fidelity, capping my frame rate, Nick, and I think I turned off motion blur. Just to give you, you don't a have, full... You're not doing Fidelity with ray tracing? Dude, I are you on the PS5? Yeah, I have it. All you got to okay. do is, like, after you do the initial setting, you just go back to settings I, I know, I, I know, I know. Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because this is yeah. driving me nuts because you're exactly right. You have to pick which performance you want going into it, and I'm a dickwad, so I spent an hour figuring out which one I wanted to roll with, and I, I finally settled on Fidelity. At first, I did the the high FR performance Nick, because I have 128, uh, 120 Hertz screen with VRR. So, and it looked good, but you know, at that you, you do lose some of the fidelity. And I believe this game is one that benefits more from graphical fidelity versus performance. Wouldn't you agree? This isn't really a, yeah, no, I mean, it's not a a fast Twitch game, right? You don't need the, you know, performance mode here yeah but so anyways back to your point and, and maybe you'll give me a fix for this so i go back and as nick says you you do not get a fidelity with ray tracing to start but once you're in game if you hit start blah 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 i want to look at my settings it offers it to you but when you select it it says hey you need to system reboot or something yeah. And, and that's it. So, 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 so what do I need to reboot? Cause I rebooted my fucking PS five. I rebooted the fucking game. I mean, Nick, what do I need to restart to get the fucking ray tracing to work? Oh, I don't know. I mean, all I did was like do it. And it, like I set the- it to fidelity plus ray tracing and it was like, okay, well you need to restart the game. To so have what would you restart? You, you can't do it right now. So like when I just, I was like, okay, whatever. Like it saves the settings still. So as soon as I just like turned the game off and like played it again later, it was already on that 
Yeah, already. dude, I, I mean, uh-huh. I turned off the PS5, it boots back in as soon as the game loads. Oh, we had to change your fucking blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, mine didn't do that. Back to yeah. Fidelity. And then I'm like, all right, maybe it's just a game reboot. So I fire it back up, change it to Fidelity Ray Tracing. Oh, you need to re- restart the game. Okay, go back to home, close the game, reopen it. Same thing as it loads. Oh, we had to save your, you had to resave your graphical settings. It's Fidelity again. I was just like, eat dicks. Yeah, I don't so, know. So, <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't have ray tracing. Way to rub my face in it, Nick. <laughs> Way to shame me over your better rig. That's the thing. I have the fucking technology. I mean, I just installed a new... Uh, you can't future-proof this shit, but a, but a competent re- AV receiver last year. Every port supports 120. Every port supports VRR. Every port supports the highest fucking 8KH you might you can do. But this dickhead game will not reboot into ray tracing. And now the fact that you're playing it and I'm not is ruining my fucking experience. Like I got I, a cheap ass TV too. No, come <laughs> on, you motherfucker. And, yeah. and ray tracing has nothing to do with your screen. I understand that. And that's why I'm like, dude, just fucking kick in. Like, why is it not resetting? Damn it. I don't Fuck. know. I don't know. It's that's just like today. I, I've got the I've got the black cloud of tech death this week, man. And it's starting with fucking Hogwarts legacy performance settings. Somebody gave you a janky code. Cause I got the I, I, I like I have like the physical disc edition. And it I mean oh, I just got look mine at, delivered. Look at you. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mr. Disc. I, uh. I I still get PS5 discs every now and then. Um yeah. but yeah, I mean like I I got it yesterday. Um, played it for about 45 minutes last night, played it for a little bit more, uh, later. And then, uh, I mean, basically what, what Matt and I were saying was like, this is the type of game where like, as soon as you start it and like the world opens up to you, which, which does, it does (laughs) after about 30 minutes, like you can just get immediately lost in it. You, you, you don't have, like, you don't even feel the need to do like the, the main story quest or anything like that. Because the, the the way that it's built is so immersive um, and they've done such a great job of just like replicating and capturing that world, that world oh, of, I mean, of Hogwarts like, and everything like that. I mean, it's fantastic. like what we were like, what we were saying, man. I mean, if you have video game ADD, this game's going to be either Probably. the bane of your existence or you're going to yeah. love it because yeah. there are some people and I'm, I am, I've become one of these people where I I actually enjoy games where I don't feel like I just have to stick to the main quest. I, I like being able to to putz, like Nick said, in, in Hogwarts Legacy. And he's not even at the por- part where the world map starts to open up. I mean, it, Hogwarts has a world map, but it, but then it has like sub-worlds within this map. Hogwarts being one sub-world, Hogsmeade being the other. But Nick, once you, you know, go through a, a, like maybe hour two of a main... They then start showing you, oh, you can visit all these fucking hamlets around Hogwarts and the map just gets <laughs> fucking huge. It's like you're going to I need a broom because the map's big enough now that I'm not fucking running all over these places just to get the fast travel stuff. But here's the important thing about Hogwarts Legacy. Is it groundbreaking? Absolutely not. Does it look nice visually and does it have that um, audio perfect Harry Potter movie soundtrack? A hundred percent. That goes a long way, man. I don't know about you, but having that soundtrack, I think, makes this game 
even better because oh, yeah. it, it's that John Williams effect where, you, you know, the Harry Potter music is up there with with like the Star Wars stuff in terms of as soon as you hear it, you, your brain is going to transport you to Harry Potter, maybe even a moment you've had in your own life experiencing or watching Harry Potter. It, it is strong. So that's nice. Uh, gameplay, nothing you've you've ever seen before. Story, eh, it's entertaining, but again, nothing you're going to be like, and, and there's plot holes, this, that, and the other thing. I mean, it's set in the 1800s. It's, it's well before even Fantastic Beasts. So, I mean, we're talking way, way back. But you'll get, you know, the Blacks are in there, the Weasleys you'll meet, you run in. There, there's, I would imagine if you're a a Harry Potter fan like you're a Star Wars fan, this game is giving you the biggest boner you've had in a long time. And that kind of comes to the point Nick and I were discussing. It's like, this is what we want for Star Wars. Hogwarts Legacy, I'm telling you right now, just fucking reskin it and call it the Mandalorian. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I'll buy a fucking $500 suck my dick edition. No questions asked. Because this game is exactly what I want for Star Wars. Because, like Nick said, of how nuanced it is with the Potterverse. You could spend three hours just walking through Hogwarts and yeah. looking at the moving paintings and like, shit you've seen from the movies. It's yeah. crazy. I, I've never, like, there are games, like, the closest that I can say that I've felt to this level of, like, like super early game, like beginning of the game, as soon as you start immersion and like freedom was with like a, an Elder Scrolls game or a Fallout game where it's just like they drop you in and it's just like, go, go do it. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. Skyrim. Uh, Nick, I, I I mean, I think Ghost of Tsushima is a more fun game to play in terms of the gameplay, but this the same mantra. It's like as soon as you yeah. turn this game on. You're just there. You're living in the world. You are the person. And fuck main quests. If you just want to go, you know, farm seeds or beasts or do this or that or, you know, just look for gear, solve puzzles. Yeah. They had math puzzles in the Hogwarts and I was having the time of my life. Yeah. I mean, you know, dude, solving it's... like these triangular puzzles and you got these symbols that equate to zero to nine on the doors and you're literally doing like A plus B equals C. And I fucking <laughs> was having a good time doing algebra. That's how fun this game is. It, it, it really is. And you know what's funny too is like Taylor is not a video game person. She never has been. Like I've we, we we've played, like we've tried like she plays games on her phone, like Candy Crush and stuff like that. We've played um Little Big Planet once. And I I told her so as soon as I booted it up, I was like, hey, come see, I just built my character. I built my Harry Potter character. And I have like the super deluxe edition where like I got all the like the deluxe bonus stuff. I did my Guy. my, my uh, Hogwarts connect thing where like I took my Hogwarts stuff from uh, oh, yeah. whatever it was called, you know, like the, the, the wizardingworld.com and linked it up to it all. Like it, it like before I started playing, so, like I showed her my character creation. I showed her all of the options you have for character creation. And then I started the game and she's like, can I play too? And I was Did like, she start a save then or is she just playing no, I on told, your character? I, and I told her, I was like, I was like, it's not two player, but it's single player. And I was like, you can make your own character and you can play whenever you want. And she's like, I, this may be the first video game that I ever actually oh, sit down shit. and play. Oh, shit, look at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, my, my neighbor's huge in the Potter, kind of like we are in the Star Wars. And, you know, I told her I got and I was explaining it to her. And literally Saturday night, she came over. We usually play, you know, Exploding Kittens or whatever. She's like, hey, 
can you just take me down there and show it to me? I just, I need to see it. And she was just <laughs> sitting there for like 20 minutes watching me play. And I'm, you know, I'm starting to feel weird. Like, is this, is this entertaining? You know, I mean, shouldn't we be playing cards? But no, it, it does it. I mean, Hogwarts Legacy is fun as fuck. All right. All the noise behind it and the JK controversy aside, if, if you're just rating this as a game, it's damn near perfect to me. And yeah, it's got I mean, its issues, but it, it but for for a game that I want to play and a game that is keeping me someone who can barely play a game for longer than an hour before my brain starts going, okay, what's next? Nick, first time I booted it up, four hour session. I, I probably haven't done that since I was in my twenties, maybe yeah. early thirties. You know, there, there's a reason the, the, the wife and kid, there was a, you know, yeah. elementary school skating party. So dad was at home. He had time to kill. But I, I, I mean, it was one of those things. I was like, oh, I'll stop. Oh, I'll stop. Oh, I'll stop. Mm-hmm. fuck. It's 1130 already. Shit. I've been playing this since seven o'clock. And, and you know, to, to, to try to loop this all the way back to Star Wars time. This is it, people. This is all we need. We don't need fucking Cal Kestis and new abilities and new combat styles. This is it. Call whatever I mean, you want. Call, call fucking Jedi Legacy. Call it Mando Legacy. Do it! Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is it's easily, rec- like, you can replicate it so easy, too. Of course, you can, dude. You can make it a Jedi Academy it. game. You could literally make it to where you're a student at the Jedi Academy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's that was literally already a game. They had the Jedi Academy game exactly uh, in the past. I love that game too, but like you could you could do. I something mean, bro, th- think of this. Like, l- let's future think. Hell, let's not even recreate the past. Let's set a game during Luke's Jedi Academy. Yeah. Hey, there's an idea. Perfect. The whole fucking game world would be that planet where we see his temples being erected in the Book of Boba Fett and then burned down in the sequel trilogy. Think about that shit. Like yeah. Nick is 100% correct. Just, hey, your main, one, one of your uh, sub worlds is Luke's fucking stone temples. Then you got the big world to explore. Go hang out with those robot construction bots. Go jump in the same river that Grogu was at. I mean, come on. How hard is it? Pay us. <laughs> Pay me now. We just fucking pitched it. Let's go. Whew. All right. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but. But dude, if, if, you know, you know, we're not, we're, we're not going to get a Star Wars game like this. You know, no, we're not. not. The, the Star Wars video game world to me is, is dead until proven otherwise. You know, I'm, I'm glad that, that Jedi Survivor is coming out soon, uh, you know, and I'm glad that the, the exclusivity license with EA has now ended. But until I see a game that comes out, that's like to the level of some of these other games out here for, for franchises like like Hogwarts Legacy or, you know, like Elder Elder Scrolls or something like that, then then, you know, I'm I'm just uh you know, I'm a, I'm a non believer in Star Wars games. Yeah, dude, I mean, <laughs> let's be real. I, I've read that you if you just grind, you can finish Hogwarts in about thirty two hours, like the main story. That's not the bad rate, if you like grind, grind No, that yeah, like that, that that's yeah. hey, that that's that's fantastic the, yeah. at the rate i'm going dude uh, mine's gonna be like 70 hours unless yeah. i start getting bored and want to progress things but um shit what the hell was i gonna talk about oh, my well. only oh worry do, is- do you okay here's here it is 
let's say you're not done with Hogwarts by the time uh, Survivor comes out. Do you do you start playing Survivor? Or do you let it sit till you finish Hogwarts? I mean, here's the thing is I, I don't finish any games anymore. <laughs> like I didn't even finish fucking Crisis Core. And that game apparently only takes 20 hours. And I know I'm at the end. Okay, so um, you're, you're just, you're a dabbler. You, you like to yeah, play. No, and- like I'll, I'll play and then I'll put it down when I get bored. And that's what I'm worried about with this game is that like, I'm going to get so pulled into the side stuff right, and not pay attention to the main story quest that I won't finish it, even though I yeah. truly enjoy it. Is, it is a thing these days, but I, and, and this comes from my gaming media days where it's like, I was, I was the dickhead that is like, I'm going to fucking beat the game. That way I'll know everything that a, 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 a player could come across. So I would, you know, I would kill myself. You got to finish games. You got to finish games. And I, I still have that a bit. Like I couldn't even, I got this game early last week, Nick, but I still had a mission or two left on Marvel Midnight Suns. And I was like, no, <laughs> you have to beat Midnight Suns before you start this. And I'm glad I did because just like you, if I would have started this without beat Midnight Suns, there's no fucking way I'm going back to Midnight Suns at no, this point. Oh yeah, no. Like I, I'm not touching any other games until probably Survivor comes out now because Hogwarts has me enthralled that much so far i mean i i pitter out of shit pretty quick these days in my old age i i I might make it a month or two but you never know i mean i played midnight sun since november and i played it every weekend and enjoyed it so i'm wondering if i'm not done with this when survivor comes out will i be able to make that hard break who knows yeah i mean i i probably like yeah i just don't care empty plate syndrome i like like that yeah, like that's the big thing for me is like I I just don't care like like I need yeah, that I, I that, wish like, I Je- had that I need more don't <laughs> care man I need like that. I know that Jedi Survivor is something that we'll probably talk about on the show and it'll probably be just like when you talk about uh, Last of Us because I'm not caught up because like that game has very little interest to me until I start to see stuff that like, hey, really you, you think I'm I mean I'm I'm the one that's kind of shit all over it since since Fallen Order came out. I'm not I'm really not ha- on the edge of my seat. I'm not. Like you, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of like okay, I'm a I'm a Star Wars guy, I got a dumbass podcast, I might as well play it, but I I uh it's not like I have an excitement for it. If I knew it was going to be like Hogwarts Legacy, then yeah, I'd be sitting here like, come on, come on. Is it April yet? Is it April yet? You know, because it's delayed now. So, oh, well. So there you go. Hogwarts Legacy. If you're on the fence and you're not concerned with all the the noise behind it, whether you you believe in it or not, in terms of a game, it's 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 fucking aces, in my opinion. So very very well made. They did a fantastic job of of like seriously in like immersing you in that world from the moment you start Um, i just nick i couldn't imagine if if i was a pot like a a a potter fanboy like i am star wars i I think i would just stare at a room in hogwarts for probably two hours a day dude that's like look at look at every little detail like oh there's a defensive dark arts room oh look there's where what's his name was standing or blah 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 blah. you know what i mean i mean just imagine with star wars walking through the lars homestead like oh look there's where luke took a shit when he was little (laughs) i mean that's kind of how i am with it like i grew up like you were older and like you 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 know you you weren't right in that not at all yeah exactly man i was i my first exposure to Harry Potter was with a college girlfriend who took me to the first movie. No. Yeah. I mean, like I got the first book the year it came out. I think I was in sixth grade and 
that I mean, like that's who it was aimed towards. I was like the yes. exact age group. So like I've I've been a huge fan since the the book series came out before the movies even came out, and like like even as like I said, I I haven't even walked into the door for my first class yet, and it's already and, dream come true. Shit, yeah, right? no, because they like, yeah. and I already noticed stuff because they're like, oh yeah, you can go to Hogsmeade, and that's where Ollivander is, and that's where you get all mm-hmm. your stuff. And I was like, well, that's even different from the books because. In the books, you go to Diagon Alley. That's where Ollivander's shop is. That's where you get all your stuff. So back in 1899, they didn't even have Diagon Alley yet. And it's like you notice all this yeah. stuff. And, yep. you know, it really does give you that sense of like, oh, wow. Not only is not only am I like immersed in the world, but there are differences that I can immediately pick out because of the time period. And because of all of, you know, like like you said, the the, the Weasley teacher, the... Phineas Black as the as the, the headmaster. headmaster. The yeah, I mean, literally, like you got a black as a headmaster, and his his number two in charge is a Weasley. Yeah, I mean, it's uh. it's it's just fantastic. So, I mean, I know that there's a lot of controversy surrounding J.K. I think that her position on transgender people is ridiculous, um, and obviously, I don't agree with what she, you know, her her standpoint right. there. But also, like, I you know, I'm going to play this game because this is something that I grew up with and that I love from when I was a child. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I can, I'm the type of person who can say like, I, I don't agree with you and I don't agree with what your, your standpoint is, but I can enjoy a world there, that I is think built for me. The people that were kind of signaling that they were going to boycott the game, it was more like, oh, it's just giving her more money because she, you know, it's still her IP, even though she had no involvement with the game. Yeah, no. It was, she oh, didn't you're giving her more money and, and you're exposing her property to more people. And I'm like, well, you, you, you all writing these articles pontificating against her, guess what? You're making money off of her controversies too. So are you going to get off your high horse and donate all your ad money that you got your clicks for to you know, uh, trans organizations or what are we talking about? You know? So I, 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 I don't know. Like, like that, that's one time where I, I really feel like the, the, the far left was, was getting a little too preachy on something. I like, mean, and this I, is, this is, we're in a capitalistic society. Capitalism will decide if Hogwarts legacy is successful or not. Plain and simple. It's, it's very successful already, but <laughs> yeah, also I like, <laughs> I think once you get old enough and like, once you're exposed to, especially in America, um, or in, in like, uh, like societies or, or situations where capitalism is your primary means of, of like a monetary system, uh, no matter what you buy, it goes to people who you hate. They're Let evil just people. Yes. That. I mean, that, that's what <laughs> I mean. Like <laughs> anything you, any, yeah. if you consume, you are making very, very, very ultra wealthy people, even more rich. Okay? Yeah. And, and I and guarantee simple. you that they believe and they espouse beliefs that you disagree with. They're just the only difference is, is that they're quiet about it. <laughs> right. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. And yeah. I, I will never understand why people sit here and think and let other people's ways of life bother them. So I, I, I can't I can't get into why a JK thinks the way she does or a Chappelle. I, I, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. I got enough weird shit to think about in my head to, to start worrying about who loves who and, 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 and pronouns. And that, like people that worry about that, just think about what's going on with them. They, they've got some issues, deep, yeah. deep, dark issues. All right, let's move on. Nick's up, uh, not caught up on The Last of Us, so just real quick, we're just going to look at a picture of Pedro because he's Pedro. Pedro, <laughs> how's it going? Love you as Joel. Can't wait to see you again as Din because I've been going through the rewatch and I just, being reminded of how fucking excellent the Mandalorian franchise truly is. But real quick, 
Last of Us continues to kick ass. Fantastic stuff. Another rough episode on the emotions this week. All right, last thing before we get into the Bad Batch, because I know everyone is waiting for that. And yes, this is a Star Wars podcast. If you're new, we will get there. Let's do it. All right, this is there. Always, there is time for Star Wars time, just not yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Uh, so the last little pop culture thing. I mean, come on, it was Super Bowl week. That's a huge pop culture thing across the world, even more so in America. And you know, we got some trailers for shit that geeks are into. And, and trust me, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. I just want to see what Nick thought of a few trailers because I was. I was blown away by one, completely surprised and blown away by one, thoroughly entertained at the cheese in another and almost brought to tears by the final. So the the trailers I'm talking about that aired during the big game and really the one that just completely caught me by surprise and it makes me feel kind of funny when, when you think about all the all the shit behind the scenes is the flash. All right. So if you're not up and up on this, Ezra Miller has got some fucking mental problems. Yeah. Uh, apparently he's getting help now, so so good for them and all that fun stuff. But really for the past year and a half, two years, he has been a tear in society. I mean, breaking into people's shit, punching women on the street, just starting not cults. a good... Yeah, yeah Call starting cults, just, just not a good guy, but WB stuck stuck behind him, stuck behind him, stuck behind him. Uh, then you had the thing. Oh, hey, we're canceling Batgirl, and it be and, and it, it had a a female person of color lead. But we're gonna keep Ezra Miller because <laughs> why not? So there you go. Like like the Flash movie has been steeped in controversy for years. I mean, th- this movie's been in production for what five or six years. Yeah, controversy long. for at least the last two and a half. Then when when you couple in Nick the, the the whole idea that James Gunn and Saffron have come in to restart DC, the DCEU's going away and it's turning into the DCU. So you're wondering like, well then why are we still doing this flash shit? The guy's a scumbag, cancel it. No, it's still coming out. James Gunn last week's like, listen, I've seen the flash, it's fucking amazing. And we need it because it's a, that's what we're using to reset the DC universe, essentially is what he's saying. And I'm still like, whatever. Right, Nick? I mean, come on. The yeah. DCEU, what have, what have we had to lean on and be like, okay, next movie's going to be excellent. It just They don't have that track record. So probably like me, you're like, oh, Flash trailer, who cares? It, it can't be anything that special. But I'll be the first one to admit when I'm wrong. When I watched the Flash trailer during the Super Bowl, I was like, holy shit. These people look like, at least on paper, look like they have a fucking banger on their hands. I mean, I'm talking Ben Affleck, Michael Keaton, the the, the whole timeline thing, Nolan-influenced Batman's in there, uh, Snyder-influenced Batman and Superman's in there. It looks absolutely intriguing, shitty star or not. Kind of the same thing what we're talking about with Hogwarts Legacy. So... After watching this trailer, I was like, my God, Gunn wasn't, he's probably not lying. This may be, their swan song of the DCEU may be the thing. But I, I told Nick, I was like, Nick, you got to check it out. So so how did yeah. you process this trailer? No, I, I thought it was great. Um, I can see, I mean, it's, it's, I can see why Gunn said that this is the, the movie that's going to like reset the DCEU. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously it's Flashpoint-ish Flashpoint type of yeah. situation. Yep. 
It's also yep. very similar to like, like if you've watched the Flash uh, show on W, what is it called? CW now? Yeah, CW. CW. Uh, there's a lot of very similar things from the show that you also see in the trailer. So I was a huge fan of that show for a while. I obviously haven't watched it in a bit, but um, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Keaton coming back as Batman. I want to see what kind of role that he plays. You know, got Affleck back as Batman too. You got a lot of care. You got Supergirl coming in. Um, a lot of awesome. A dark haired Supergirl at that. Yeah, yeah. So um, not like uh, Melissa Benoist's uh, Supergirl from CW. So yeah, I mean, it seems interesting. It, it seems like probably like from the trailer alone, it seems like the best DC movie that they've ever made. Period. Um, yeah. Yep. Not even close. I mean, you can say what you want about first Wonder Woman or Aquaman. Those are really, in my mind, the only two contenders for like the top DC spot, which is. I, w- I would throw Man of Steel in that that group, too. Uh, yeah. Man of Steel was pretty decent. Um, I just hate Superman. I think Superman's a shitty character. Um, <laughs> I love he, Nick. Young Nick. Like, young Nick. Fuck Superman. He's like one of the only people on the planet. I love it. That's a great take, though. Fuck him. No, no. Like, Fuck Superman is, is like the way that, especially the way that they write Superman. <laughs> Superman is an uninteresting character. Um, so I don't really care about his films. And I don't care if they use him in the DC universe moving forward or not. Oh, he's um, the first movie, so there you go. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I, I really do think that um, that The Flash is probably going to be the best DC movie up to this it, point. It just, we'll see it what looks happens after that. so entertaining. And if yeah. they do it right, it really is going to be a fantastic swan song setting up the gun verse at this point. And, 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 and let's be real, like, they're, they're definitely crazy. I'm glad they're getting help. But Ezra Miller is a good actor, too. And he, he, I think he plays the flash. Well, he's played the flash well in, in, in justice league. And I, yeah, I think just justice league at this point. Yeah. I think that was all it, he ended justice up league. making it in. So I, I don't know. I, I was, I was quite surprised by that. So kudos to, uh, the flash team, I guess, for keeping that thing afloat amongst all the controversies and then shame on the brass for allowing that shit to go on as long as it did before they gave him an ultimatum. Yeah, uh, but it it is looking good, and I think it was that drop in May or something like that, or this summer. But yeah, I think I think it's May fifth. I think it's five five. Um, well, no, yeah. that's that's Guardians for that's sure. Guardians, unless, Guardi- yeah, okay. unless Guardians that's- and Flash are fighting, which would be interesting. I don't yeah. know why you want to pick that fight because I think Guardians is going to win just by default. But yeah, DC shouldn't do that. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> next one, and, and Nick, I didn't tell you to watch this one because I forgot it aired, and, and we're not going to spend a ton of time on it. But Fast X. Thank God oh, for yeah. family. Thank God for family. I can't wait. God. I've heard that Fast X is a two-parter, so it means this isn't even the end-end. <laughs> I love nine, it, dude. Fast 9 was legitimately one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Hey, man. It, hey, you can't call movie bad if they get a Fiero into space. I mean, that, come on, that man. That is They're exactly driving what you call and it turn bad. themselves into minions. <laughs> like, come on. Oh, like, man. how are they going to top that in Fast X? How do you top... Launching a shitties like late eighties nineties car in the space. How do you do it? It's it, it was it, such you a know they're shit gonna do movie. it though. You know they're gonna do it. 
You know, they're like, going to invent, like, time travel or something and fucking send a car. Like, a Chevy Nova is going to turn into the yeah. DeLorean somehow. Yeah, uh, and they, they're going to go back and they're going to save Paul Walker. <laughs> and, and that's what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, CG Paul Walker. His name is in the, in the fucking CG franchise. Paul Walker on his brother's what's body. His real, yeah. What's his name in the franchise? I can't remember now. Uh, Shithead. He, I don't know. The guy. They, surfer no. guy. Uh, Brian, Brian, yeah, Dom, Dom, Brian, Brian, Dom, Brian, my family. You know what yeah. though? Like I'm, I'm shitting on. I fucking love Fast and Furious because of how stupid it is. It is. It started off legit, like in in, in movie one and maybe movie two, but after that, it just it it gets crazier and crazier. I, I will like Fast Five. I enjoyed after I, Fast I, Five. It yeah, all that's yeah got things screwy. Once the rock showed up, things starting to get yeah. bigger and, and bolder. And but I, I will say it doesn't look like it looks like he's stuck to his guns. Oh no. And he's done with that shit. Cause even Statham was in that trailer. So Yeah, no, the rock's uh, not coming back to that. Like, <laughs> but also I think that like now the rock may be uh second guessing it because he was like, I don't need this. I have this huge DC thing that I'm gonna I'm gonna be the yeah. new DC lead person. And then James hey, Dwayne, Gunn's like, that's on pause, pal. James yeah. Gunn, see ya. James Gunn's like, I <laughs> we don't need you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, because James is like, James isn't gonna tell Dwayne to his face, like, yeah, we're we're never using that again. He's like, hey man, good good job, good job. Uh, but maybe not during this first phase. Okay, sound yeah. good. All maybe right, in, we'll maybe see you in later. Ten years. <laughs> we'll see you later. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the only other one I'm going to talk about, because we've seen the 65 trailer. I'm, I'm jacked for that. I mean, Adam Driver fighting dinosaurs with laser guns. Win. <laughs> Scream 6, I'm all about. Why not? I, that's another fun franchise that's been off the rails, but still entertaining. Uh, but the, the other one I want to talk about, Indy look good. Creed 3 look great. Here we go. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Who else got emotional? You can admit it. You can admit it. I did. I'm raising my hand. When? I, Clearly, dude, I did not. <laughs> it's the way. It's the way Gun leverages music. It's just like yeah. I know this movie is going to kill me because he's got me in in the first two Guardians of the Galaxy. He got me the first time in Volume One, where where the We Are group. That moment was fucking beautiful. He got me the second time in the shittier Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. When uh, uh, Yandu is like, basically like, I've always been your daddy. Yeah, like yeah, even just I'm, talking about that's making me fucking get emotional. I, I just, I know Gunn is going to kick us in the dick with this movie. So like the tone of the trailer and it's like, hey, you know, the, the, it's like one last hurrah. You know that there's not going to be a Guardians after this. And it's just like, who... Who's going to perish? Who's going to be the hero? Will they be permanent deaths? What type of music is Gunn going to layer in? I, it just got me, Nick. This trailer, for some reason, maybe because I know what, 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 what I'm in store for in May, it, it just is like, uh-oh, I know what's coming here, and it's going to be fun, but probably very sad. I also think that the uh, Marvel fans have become like Star Wars fans. They're going to hate it. Like oh, you think? 110%. Okay. Uh, I think that Marvel fans have now, like, because this is they're what starting to get fr- that entitledness. Yeah, it, and that's like what happens when when like a <laughs> franchise is around for a long time is like they at a certain point they look back and they're like, well, it's not Iron Man one or it's not 
It's right, not yeah. Avengers Endgame. It's not. The, it's the same yeah. thing. Like how Phase Star Four Wars sucks, so Phase Five is yeah. gonna suck too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the same way that Star Wars fans are with every piece of Star Wars content that that comes out. They're gonna hate yeah. it because yeah. this movie is gonna be like, it's 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 gonna be like you said. It's gonna be cheesy. It's gonna be like emotional. They're gonna bitch that Gamora has come back. And I don't know right. how that happened. Obviously, we'll find out in the movie, but they're going to be like, she fucking died. She's dead. How did she come back? Well, they're she's all, all universe Gamora from Endgame. Yeah. Remember. So like I, 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 I am 90 percent sure that the majority of Marvel fans are going to hate it, especially now that Gunn is Mr. DC. They're going to be like, this is the shit that he gave us before yeah, he, he, sabot- went to DC. he sabotaged it. See, he made yeah. Groot look fat. Sabotage. Yeah. He sabotage. So, uh, I, I'm I'm preparing myself uh, for the uh, for the hate yeah, you're, already you're, because you're I, not I wrong. can see it coming. You're not, you're not wrong. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what they they better get used to it because I I didn't send this to you today, but Iger was on a, a podcast or something, and I, I sent Nick these numbers last week. I don't know if anyone saw this or maybe it was this week. Disney Plus lost 2.4 million subs from October to December of 22. They essentially had their Netflix uh, watershed moment uh, at the end of 2022. And, and, you know, Nick's been talking about it. We talked about when they brought Bob back. Disney Plus is eating away the profits of Disney as a whole. And they're fucked. So <laughs> Bob Iger, I think he was on a podcast yesterday, Nick. And he's like, oh, yeah, yep. You know what? We're, we're just going to double down now on Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel. I did, didn't I, I? I fucking I told you that. I told go back to the last podcast that we did where we talked about Disney Plus, and I told them I was like I, I said the only thing that they can do is is actually produce more stuff for it because if you if you don't at this point, then it's a it, it's a complete failure. Like then you're then you're just gonna lose more subs, you're gonna lose more money, and then you're gonna have to scrap it. You have to double down, and you have to hope that. By putting out more content that people come back to it and they stay subbed longer. Cause that's always been the problem with Disney Plus is like, up oh, Star Wars shows over, I'm gonna unsub. Or this yeah, shows see, over, I'm gonna see, unsub. You're you're on to something. I think this is what he was hinting at too when he was making excuses. He's like, well, you know, the, the COVID and this and this, the pipeline. And he's not wrong, but what he was saying was because of the pandemic, their pipeline from set to Disney Plus was fucked. So like Nick just said, fans would have to wait months and months and months and months and months. And a lot of people that aren't dickheads like me are going to cancel while they're waiting. Me, I'm just lazy. I think about canceling, but I never do. I am the prototypical streamer and user that all these people want. Like, hey, yeah. that that sucker Matt Haywood, he'll just sit there and keep paying us and not even. I mean, use that's our what shit. I do too. Like, I don't. Hell have yeah, you the, do. Like, a lot of us do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, there are some people who are legitimately like, I'm gonna cancel it after. They'll have people that cancel it for a week until the next show comes out. Like, they, they, it's like too much like effort. That. Too much yeah. fucking effort. But and, and, but yeah. some of them have a point, and Bob had a point too. So, long story short, and I think what he's saying is kind of what you're hinting at. Is like, all right. You got to double down, but you got, you got to make sure that pipeline is free and clear. So you're yeah. delivering stuff where there's no full month. You're waiting for new Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, or Disney exclusive content. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like Nova saying here. I mean, it feels like it's been a while since last Marvel, and he's correct. I mean, I think the last one was She-Hulk, and that that wrapped like 
in October, I believe, of last year. Yeah, it's, that was a while ago. So, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. And I'll tell you what, too, like shows like Bad Batch, because like we're going to tr- soon we will transition into the actual Star Wars talk. Uh, what's what's shows Bad, like Bad Batch? Batch <laughs> what's, what's shows the like Bad Batch, Star Wars? They don't get people going like people don't care about this show. It, no, like, you're right. Bad Batch is it, it's a bonus for people like us that are just going to yeah. stay subbed. It's not a subscription seller. No, that, like that's that's for the Mandalorians and the Kenobis and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, we like for even for a little show like us, we can tell when it's animation season because we get less viewers on the show, we get less comments on the posts. All like all like the numbers go down in general when it's animation season, which is now. Well, when it's I, live I, I, action I season, I haven't talked people... numbers with you yet, but <laughs> they're they're actually going up. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, like, but it's like, also the new year. We 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 yeah. we ebb and flow, so it's like somehow people get tricked to listening to us yeah, when they, when they, the calendar flips. But by <laughs> summer, they'll all be gone. So don't worry. Yeah. Don't get too excited for us. But yeah, like <laughs> like when I can go on to our Instagram post and be like, oh look at this, I can get all of the, the comments in one screenshot. I was like, people right. aren't watching this show. I know that, they aren't. That's all, I've, dude. Insta reach has gotten so horrendous. Like I, you're right, but it's reach is awful like i think i shared a real a real what they want you to do and i think it was seen by like 10 people it's yeah. like come on but yeah no you're you're not wrong so but i think we we're starting to see what this pipeline could be without a pandemic because if yeah. we just strip things back and think star wars we had andor kicking off in september that stopped we only had to wait like a month maybe six weeks bad batch kicked in Hell, Bad Batch is going to be running alongside Mando for a full month. So, and then you know Ahsoka's coming up for the summer, and then you're going to have we got Visions coming out in May. So this year, sort of like how 22 was was starting to roll towards the end, you shouldn't go longer than six to eight weeks without new Star Wars content. But Nick, would you argue that's maybe even too long? Should it be like a like a like a three week cadence every four or, or what's a good break to keep people there? Less than a month. <laughs> okay, yeah. Less than Got a month it. because if it's more than a month, then you lose a sub for a month. Yeah, and that that's that's why that shit. That's why your sub numbers ebb and flow like that. You have to have content that release. Right. You have to have and new he, content release every. And the only reason people like us should care about this is because if it continues to fail our toys go away. Like I could care less if Bob Iger gets his overrated bonus or how many millions Disney makes. But if, if Disney plus continues to hemorrhage, this, this stuff goes away. So, you know, be a dickhead like Nick and I and keep your subs going nonstop. Even if you don't star Wars movies don't exist anymore. As far (laughs) as we know, like there hasn't been a star Wars movie. 2025, 2025. They're they're going to announce it at celebration this year. Yeah, it's going to be six years between Star Wars movies. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> so, like, you know, what if, what like if all, Disney just up and sells it again? There's like, ah, fuck it. Now we know why George got rid of it. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. But but here's my here's my fix for Disney Plus. You need they like when Disney Plus Plus first launched, they were like, we'll, we'll never make Disney Plus exclusive films. You need to now. Yeah, well. it, it, unquestionably you need to now right because 
film people are more interested in in films for Star Wars than they are for TV. Everybody knows that. Um, especially uh, when it comes to big franchises like Marvel, like Star Wars. Um, you need to have exclusive films for those platforms so people are excited to have their their subscriptions. Um, because if you tell them like, hey, we're going to do a whole trilogy of Star Wars movies that are only on Disney+, Plus, you bet your ass that people who have never subbed to Disney+, Plus before will sub. Um. So this, I mean, you have to do that. You also have to get your well, regular I, I mean, silver screen what, movie shit back on. The, well, Nick, the what, what do you think track? about like what, what they're doing with with Marvel and their movies where, you, you know, you wait 45 days and you know it's going to show up on Disney Plus. Is that a mover or no? It has to be just the, no, it's got to be exclusive. Only. It's got to right. be exclusive. I haven't watched a single Marvel movie on Disney Plus. Um, it's true. Like I haven't, even the ones that have come out in theaters that I haven't seen, I haven't watched. Well, I, I understand that, but sometimes let's put ourselves in the shoes of people that don't quite have the income that we do and can't go to the movie theater. Is it enticing to them to know that like I can see movie theater movies from home as long as I'm okay waiting 45 days. Is it's clearly value? not. No, because that's what they're already doing. <laughs> right. Right. It clearly you, you, doesn't work. He is correct. He is correct. Yeah, All I mean, right. it doesn't work. Well, hey, there you go. Uh, I guess we should talk about some Star Wars. But hey, if, if you've really been paying attention, you'll notice while Nick and I have been out in La La Land for the past hour, we always tie it back to that galaxy from far, far away because we're that damn good. Just look at my T-shirt today. I love Star Wars. All right, it's it's on a shirt. <laughs> that means it's real. Okay, does it in big letters. So let's get into the stuff we love, and it's not, you know, pissing and, and moaning about Disney Plus and, and executives. It's the actual content, all right? So it is time for the Matt and Nick deep dive breakdown of the Bad Batch S2, E7, and E8. We told you a two-part was coming. We told you it was going to be great because of the two-parter mid-season shit. The names of the titles just implied that something great was going to happen, at least for the overarching narratives that Bad Batch can explore. And holy hell, did we get that, Nick? It was, um, it was a fantastic back-to-back uh, I don't know if one episode stands out over the other. I'm, I'm assuming number eight because of the guy that shows up at the end and he, he pulls off another what we're going to dub on this show as a as a Palpatine. Don't worry, I'll explain it a bit more, but I, I want to examine the moves that this grandmaster chess player has pulled off over multiple uh, eras now and why they're known as pulling a Palpatine. Okay, we'll get there, though, because the guy is fucking brilliant. I love him. I love that guy. Uh, but let's get down to it. The way we usually break new Star Wars, or break it down at least, we don't want to break it. We just want to break it down and parse it out for the, the simpletons out there, is we will give our personal reviews. We'll go over the top moments. We'll analyze the, the, the nerdy stuff, Easter eggs, references, so on and so forth, cameos, and then we'll get into speculating our asses off about what may happen next week based on episode titles so nick you're back i know you just watched these two you got them fresh in your mind so let, let, let's hear your take on the clone conspiracy and truth and consequences uh for me i think that these two definitely rank up there in the top five of episodes of this show so far if not top three i mean these are clearly uh to me the best two episodes that we've had this season in particular, and even if you go back to last season, 
it they still rank up there in terms of the best episodes the bad batch has seen so far because it gives us exactly what we wanted like it, it gives us the furthering of the plot lines around what politics. happens yeah i mean like it's taken the shitty politics that were introduced to us in the prequels and like made them interesting in how they're being <laughs> that, that's implemented. a great way to that's a great way to explain it you're you're 100 percent correct yeah and and you know, at, at a certain point early in the first episode, in, in episode seven, I was like, oh, it's going to be like some political bullshit that's not going to be interesting. But they they made it interesting in a way that the prequels couldn't. Um, and that's what I really appreciated about these two episodes is that like it gave you all of the things that you needed to know politically around like the Senate is like there are a faction of senators that are actively pushing against conscripting a new military Um and and they've been successful. Like they've successfully tabled this discussion around conscripted military service multiple times to the you know like to the disappointment of Masmita and uh, Admiral Rampart, and and clearly to the disappointment of Palpatine. Even though we didn't see him, but we know that obviously that's kind of a thorn in his side. Um, and it also helps us further the storyline to fit, like now we're pushing into an area like where we are going to find out what happened with the clones. Like oh yeah. Just, you know, just like, turned a big leaf over. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, so to me, even though these may not have been the most action packed episodes that we've seen of the Bad Batch, I think that they're probably the best in terms of uh, just narrative uh, storytelling and like actually giving us information that is super relevant to where we're going to be in. Uh, you know, in the original trilogy timeline. So I thought these are definitely some of my favorite episodes for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I'm I'm right up there with you. And because I am such a literary scholar, I, I dub this as Star Wars politics rule. Okay. <laughs> like I know not many people would would think to describe it that way. It took a lot of thought to get there. But yes, Star Wars politics rule. And that was on display in episode seven and eight here. And, and Nick's right. I mean, a show purely about politics could have went south quick. But the fact that they framed it around what happened in season one, while also looping in important characters from the Clone Wars and Rogue One. I don't know if anyone noticed that. We had some Rogue One characters there outside of Bale. It, it does, it, it really helped to frame some things that we've all been wondering okay like like what are they we've been asking this since the second season started what are they going to do with the clones how are they going to get rid of them are they just going to drop them off on a planet and blow it up how is the empire going to fuck them over because we know they're going to get fucked over and i think we got step one of that yeah coming out of this episode the Empire has now established in front of the Senate that the clones cannot be trusted and that the clones cannot be counted on to be the protective force for the Empire. Yeah. Therefore, that's going to allow politicians to persecute them, defund them, do what you got to do to the point where, I don't know, I, I've, got, I've got some tangents I want to go on with Nick, but I, I could see... A clone civil war happening both amongst the clone themselves and the galaxy. Does that make sense yeah. to everyone? Yeah. Because I, I mean, as we saw from Mr. True Believer, there is a faction of clones that 
they're they're in like their own world. They're they're, they're even further beyond crosshairs in terms of this is our purpose. This is what we need to do. So I could see them fighting against the clones like the Cody's of the world and the Rexes and the Slips and the Cades. Like, fuck you guys. Like, we got to do what we got to do. But now that Palpatine has established this, that they're bad and can't be trusted, who the fuck knows what the galaxy's going to do? I mean, they went from potentially getting a retirement and pension fund set up by the galaxy to now they are untrustworthy shitheads. So, yeah. I mean, really, this, these two episodes gave us so much via the animated presentation that, you know, that Bad Batch is, is configured in that, I mean, how could you not appreciate these? This is, this is what made the Andor series so great. Andor was nothing but Star Wars politics from start to finish. And we all were like, oh, yeah, tickle our tits. We have THO nonstop watching Andor. There wasn't a ton of action in Andor. It, it was, it was politics and bad batch rivaled that feel because you know we're talking very very early on rise of the empire stuff it's all super fresh none of us even dorks like myself have no clue what really was going on at this time period so when we get a back-to-back banger showing another palpatine and getting some answers uh, about where the clones at large are going to end up uh, fantastic stuff uh, and yeah, plus it, the way the way episode eight ended my god we'll talk about that but that's another one that almost floored fantastic. me i mean i think the biggest uh surprise to me was senator chuchi uh not only as a character but but like i didn't even think that there would be senators out there or a contingent like much less a contingent of senators out there that are like Hey, we need to like take care of these clones. Like these these are these aren't just like disposable war machines. These are people. These are, you know, our protectors. Yeah, they're living who, things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, living I mean, things. Like out of everything that we had like discussed leading up to Bad Batch season two and, and everything like that, we never talked about like senators lobbying for protections and lobbying for pension funds and stuff like that for the clones. And I thought that that was a super interesting turn to take because in my mind they were always looked at as like this unwanted force that was you know great during the the time of the the civil war uh between the separatists and the galactic republic but then after that it was just like well now you're just just, what's the point you, you just sparked a great thought if you think about it this the senators now that are trying to protect the clones and and kind of give them a not a good death, a life but a, after a yeah. life after a life after battle. These would have been the people that were against the creation of the clone army in the first place. The yeah, if they would have had a choice. Yeah, definitely. right. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't for emergency powers nonsense. I mean, the Bail Organas, the Chuchis, the Pamlos of the Senate would have been against the creation of the clone army. But that that just speaks to their character. So these, you know, three or four years later, Hey, they had no say the army got created, but now they're the ones that actually care about it and care about it more than just, as Nick said, a war asset. So it does. It, it speaks to the character of these senators, and it, it, it should surprise no one that they do go on to be the, the first council of the rebel alliance. So, I mean, just that's what I mean, just seeing that stuff, seeing where those seeds are planted. I, it was brilliant that they had Pamlo be one of the outspoken voices. That's just, that's chef's kiss shit. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, 
she makes it to Rogue One. She was clearly against the Empire's desires way back then, so it makes sense that she's at that table. And that's the type of stuff that I love. But also, Nick, the the fact that they chose Ryo Chuchi to be kind of the lead. And she she played a major role in the Clone Wars. I'm talking she was in probably eight or more episodes. She interfaced with Ahsoka. She interfaced with Rex. So all those... Those tie-ins, that's where we get what I love the most about Star Wars, those through lines through the eras. I love that shit. I mean, there's a reason she instantly knew who her rescuer was is because her and Rex had mixed back in the Clone Wars. I just, yeah. I, I dig that shit. So, um, fantastic stuff in, in both episodes. And, and, and we'll talk about the top moments coming up here next because there was... Uh, there was I had I had five. I'm sure you know maybe Nick has a few that stood out. Let's go to the comments here. If you do want to join in with the live stream, 2:30 p. East on YouTube at Star Wars Time Show. We got Stormtrooper Barney showing up. Uh, I like this. He says it makes that Kenobi scene with the homeless clone so much sadder. That that's a good point because uh, now we see why why was he a homeless bum? Well, because the Empire essentially is going to defund the clones, and for all we know. By next episode, they could be shutting down that 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 clone base on Coruscant already. You yep, just, I mean, yep. Palpatine got the green light from the Senate to do whatever the fuck he wants, essentially, with the clones now because they're being replaced by the Imperial Stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. Love that guy. So yeah, I mean that, that 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 that's good stuff. There are the clones just gonna you know become vagabonds. They very may well. I mean that could be their fate at this point in time. I still think there's going to be a larger aggressive act against them in in terms of like literally just vaporizing their asses but we'll we'll, (laughs) we'll see we'll see all right uh blah 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 here we go top moments getting into uh i guess we'll start with episode seven naturally there so nick for me obviously the um i i I don't know why, because I, I, I hate politics. Like, they, they, they get me worked up. I like doom scrolling about politics and all that type of shit. But, but you would think watching even galactic politics could be dry and boring, but not to me. So my opening top mo- moment is the first scene where we get to see that Senate debate that Nick and I just talked about, where you had the, the good senators debating against the shitheads against the the merits of the uh, conscription bill, but also, hey, what are we going to do with these clones? We're, we can't vote on a bill until we have a resolution with the clones. So I just, you know, we, we, we've already gone into this pretty deep, so we don't need to go much further, but I, I dig that type of stuff. And it, it's always fun to see that Senate chamber. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, that's, it's one of the cooler locations that, that George created in the prequels, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's, Every time you see it now, too, especially like post episode three, you just like to me, every time I see it, it's like you just think of that fight again with Palpatine and Yoda. It yeah. essentially being like used as, you know, the the, the Senate seats being used. It was as a battle like, arena. Yeah. As weapons against Yoda. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is. It's such like an iconic uh location from the prequel trilogy that like still translates so well but it but now you look at it as almost like a sinister place because you know that everything that's happening there is completely uh just you know the machinations of palpatine regardless of how many senators are against him 
I, I mean that, that's a that's a fantastic point, and and we'll get to this when I go when we go through our history of Palpatine's being pulled. But if you think about it, Nick, you just reminded me, he pulls almost all of his Palpatines on the Senate floor, yeah. like all all of his big chess moves from Phantom Menace all the way up through A New Hope. He does in this room. So that see, I'm not an asshole for being drawn <laughs> to the Imperial Senate or the Republic Senate before Bad Batch. Uh, I, I just, I, I dig it. And like I said, Star Wars politics rule. I, I could sit there and listen to these, you know, aliens and humanoids debate Star Wars galactic issues during this time frame for three hours straight. Because that's the type of stuff I want to know. Like, w- what decisions were they making? When did they decide to implement the Grand Moff program? You know what I mean? Because they were still calling him Governor Tarkin. Yeah, I was going to say, like, are we going to see, like, it's going to be super interesting to see like, where are we going to see the, like the dissolution of the Senate? You know, is that, that that's literally right. That that would be right like and, and or timeline. Yeah. That'd yeah. be and or timeline. But that Nick is a Palpatine. We will be talking about the dissolution yeah, exactly. of Senate. The guy is a grand master fucking what's his name? Magnus ain't got Magnus shit. Carlson ain't the, got shit on Emperor yeah. Palpatine, AKA right. the Sheevster. Yeah. Okay. Next top moment from uh, episode seven here, the hunt. Right at the end, where y- you know, as a as a spectator, you're like, man, Choochie, you're you're crazy, you're fucked. It's it, like, you know, they take out uh, was it Slip or Cade, and yeah. you know that at first you don't know. I mean, did did you think that was Crosshair initially? The at the, when the they sniper. Killed, yeah. When when he killed Cade, like in the very right beginning, at the start, I was like, yeah. Right at the start, I was like, okay, it's crosshair for sure. But then when they showed the, like, I knew it wasn't him when they showed the downscope view. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure we've seen crosshair's downscope view before and it doesn't look like that. Right. Um, and then, and then obviously, he, he meets with Rampart and you're like, yeah, crosshair would take his helmet off and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, no. So. It, it, like, and then also Rampart fucking hates crosshair. Like right. Rampart... And Crosshair do not get along. Yeah, he. I, I think he can't trust them, ultimately. Yes. So, I, Nick, I, I just, yeah. I like the whole hunt. I like the way it was filmed. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I like the, like the, the, the night setting, the smokiness to it. And obviously the Rex through the haze save was, was a great moment there. You know, Chuchi realizing who it was. As I said, they had that connection from the Clone Wars. I believe Chuchi had, it was like an arc with Ahsoka, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's where she was kind of brought in back in the Clone Wars. Yeah. But, you know, that that was one of the, you had some action to beginning of the episode, then you had the action to bookend it there at the end. So that was my second top moment for Episode 7. Most of the moments that really popped for me, Nick, came in Episode 8. So, let's change gears over there. And the first one... Uh, and I think we might have got a comment on on, on this, but I, I loved the data retrieval mission. Um, for some reason, when, when Clone Force 99 links in with Rex, their missions just become more fun because Rex, you know, he's he's still a rag, doesn't regularly operate with them. So he's he's always to me, it's like he he's with the the, the you know, the special team, the the Navy yeah. SEALs. And but he he gels with them, and I, I I just like watching Rex work with these guys, and I like watching the the, the guys work together, and I, I think my favorite part is again these dudes 
they make grand exits almost any time shit hits the fan. Yeah. And, and this week, I just absolutely love that Wreckers, Wreckers ex- exit strategy was to launch a Star Destroyer off its moorings yeah. into the shipyard so they, so they could get out. I don't know. It just, it was cool. I mean, it, another dark action setting. I, I like these dark action scenes. We're getting in Bad Batch because they give you those nice contrasts with the laser bolts and the, you know, the the, the ship lights and, and whatnot. So I, I just, I was a big fan of the data retrieval mission in episode eight. Um, Moving on. Of course, and I just watched this again last night with the little one, but how great was the arrival of Amida and Palpatine? Oh, yeah. It's this, like they're, uh, they're all arguing. Chuchi yeah. has that big moment. They get the tape playing, and then an al- literally an alarm goes off, and everyone's like, oh, fuck. And I instantly, you know, the first time I was watching, it's like, oh, shit, here he comes. Because <laughs> if you listen closely... Bale name drops Palpatine at the uh, during that opening de- debate in, in episode seven, and right there is like, okay, that that's he's coming. When Bale's like, hey, well, you know, what does the fucking Emperor think of this bill? It'd be nice to see him show up every once in a while. And I was like, okay, yeah, but he shows up in eight. But I, I just it was the entrance. The entrance was yeah. everything. It was like, and then he raises out. And then Amita goes into his, his spin bullshit immediately. Like, oh, shit seems Chuchi has exposed <laughs> Rampart oh, dude, I, after I, I all. I loved it because the thing is, is like, as a, as a longtime Star Wars fan, like, you know that they lose. Like, you know the Senate loses. You know that they can't win. It's, it's impossible. They can't win. So, like, when I'm, like, sitting there watching it, I'm like, is this, like, a false tape? Is this tape not what they think it is? And then when the tape comes on, I was like, oh, wow, so it's a real tape. So he's, they're going to scapegoat Rampart then, right? That's what's going to happen. It was just so fun to see, like, that two-minute sequence play out where it's like they get the tape, they play the tape, Palpatine comes up, and then, like you said, like, you've been hinting at this whole time, he pulls the Palpatine in the yeah. middle of everybody, and you're like, oh, beautiful. man. It was yeah, awesome, it, man. I mean, it's just like... I mean, just Rampart. Watch out! Here comes the fucking bus, pal. You just crossed paths with the Palpatine. You couldn't get your shit done, so you got Palpatine, bitch. And and it's just like, he that's the guy. And I loved at the end that all the good guys realized that they got played because that's also a part of a Palpatine. He will make the good guys feel in the end like, shit, we we just did it for him. Everything he's done, he makes the good guys do for him. He is the man. There is no greater supervillain out there. No one actually pulls off their plan the way he does. Half of them don't even get step one of their plan done before the good guys foil it. This motherfucker gets the good guys to do it for him. Ten steps down the line. Just, I mean, yeah. I would, I would too, Nick. I was like, how, how are they going to fucking spin this? I really was wondering, like, what are they going to do? Are they just going to, you know, lock Rampart up and be like, oh, sorry, everyone, you were right, we were wrong, we'll, we'll pay for the clones? No, yeah. Palpatine's got that one little thing, and it convinces everyone. He's like, well, you know, Rampart's a motherfucker, but I must say, 
I question those clone cunts that followed his orders blindly. That, yep. that, you know, that gives me pause. Maybe we should consider this bill essentially like wink, wink. You guys get the picture. Now these clones are blowing up civilizations. We can't trust them. You never know. We could get another rogue admiral that says <laughs> blow up Coruscant. So we need stormtroopers. Just brilliant. And, and yeah. I don't think, I don't care how good of a fan you are. There's no way you saw that Palpatine coming. There's no, no. way because that's how he plays. Because that's like exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh man, maybe they just like eat a loss here. Like they're like, oh yeah. well, they got yeah. us. They got yeah. us. Yeah, Rampart gets punished. Shame on us. We'll we'll, we'll try the next scam. Nope. They make it work yeah. for them. Got <laughs> it. Ah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's just again, like I don't know if it was you know the writers or whatever, but like. They took the they took the exact political stuff that was going on in the prequels and they made it interesting and they made it engaging and they 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 made it something that was like like we just said, like, holy shit, we didn't see that coming. Like that was a surprise. Whereas like all of the stuff in the prequels was just like there's a trade blockade in front of this planet. And I don't yeah. like, we don't even know what that means. Like what can't they, can they not get food? It's a whole fucking planet. Right. What can't they <laughs> yeah. get? What's like, this one, one ship with a ball yeah, going like, to stop really? Yeah. It's like what it's only blocking one side of the planet. Like there's a, a planet is a spherical thing. There's lots of ways you can get in, but like this takes all of that weird political machination bullshit and makes it so interesting in such a short amount of time that like you're forced to be like, yeah, man, like the, the political angle of this was the most interesting part of the bad batch so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I, mean, I mean, you know, you know again, th this guy is playing chess, the rest of the galaxy, they're not even playing checkers. They're playing tiddlywings. Yeah. They're, they're not even in, they're not even in the same league. They're not even, they're not even playing a, a strategy game. Uh, so, all right, since, since we're talking about this, I'm going to go ahead and go down my, my side tangent on what, what we are now dubbing a Palpatine. So, again, a Palpatine is a move where he literally gets the good guys to do heinous shit to, to uh, keep his evil plan of Sith dominating the galaxy moving forward. And this, in Bad Batch, was just another example of a Palpatine, Nick. So, let, let's, let's talk about some other Palpatines. Uh, the first one, at least in film, I I'm just talking in moving images. Those that read books and legends, go have fun with that shit. So, in my opinion, Nick, Palpatine number one is okay. the trade blockade. I mean, he stages all that with the Trade Federation to get Amidala to go to the Senate to vote Ooh. no confidence for yep. Valorum to prop himself up to become Supreme Chancellor. So that's a Palpatine. Okay. Yep. Number one. First Palpatine. Played he played his home fucking planet. He got his queen to do the dirty work. See? That's a Palpatine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Palpatine number two. Emergency powers during the attack of the clones. Yep. He again, remember, he's the guy that created the fucking clone army ten years ago. He's the guy that got Dooku to get the CIS all up in arms. But he then tricks his Senate to give him essentially God level powers. 
to what he uses, Nick, to create a clone army that clone he army. already he already that had was created, already created. <laughs> ten years prior. <laughs> yeah. That's a Palpatine. Again, getting the good guys to do it. Was that Jar Jar that nominated him to have yeah. emergency powers? Okay. So that there was you go. the Jar Jar. That was the Palpatine number three. He convinces the chosen one to turn on Mace Windu. Wait, wait, After- hold there's one there, there's one more before that. Okay. He stages his own uh kidnapping. And then that forces. Yes, you're right. I think yeah. you're so right. You you're correct. So that's Palpatine number four when he stages his kidnapping at the hands of Grievous to yeah. bring the, the 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 literally to bring the war to the skies of Coruscant. And and that causes the split up between Obi Wan and Anakin because Obi Wan yeah. gets sent on the mission to go fight. Uh, to go find, Correct. you know, the, the Chancellor's kidnapper, the, to go fight Grievous, and now you have Palpatine and Anakin alone on Coruscant, and you already know that he's poisoned Anakin See, honestly, against the Jedi Council. Nick, I think that's Palpatine 5, because you could argue the fact that he goes over the, the Jedi Council and places Anakin as his representative on the yeah. can- council, that is really what started the bad blood between Anakin, Obi, Mace, and the like. So, you, yeah. uh, thank God you were here because you're right. You <laughs> just found two more Palpatines. All right. So back to number six. Then would be the you know flipping Anakin during his Mace fight, like literally feigning weakness to get the chosen one to come to you. Then right after that, like this guy doesn't fuck around with his Palpatines. Order 66, right? That he he planned 10 years prior to put a fucking chip in the clone's head that when he said order 66, they'd murder the Jedi. That yep. is a Palpatine using good guys to do evil. Okay, is it are we seeing the theme here? Moving on. We just saw the next one, and, and, and there might be a few more, but clones are bad. We need stormtroopers. And he got clones. Literally, he had clones aid him in the downfall of clones. Of clones. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I mean, send the guy a fucking trophy. Yes. Next up, and Nick talked about it, uh, d- dissolving the Senate. That's a fucking Palpatine. Just, hey, see you later. We don't need you anymore. We're going to just uh, turn the power over to the regional governors. Battle of Endor, another Palpatine. Remember, he tricked all of them into thinking that the Death Star was not operational. Did he ultimately lose? No, we learned he didn't. But guess what? Even before we we thought he was gone, that Death Star blew up a lot of fucking rebel ships. Big capital ships. Like fucking Mon Calamari cruisers were going down left and right. So if it weren't for the fact that he fucked with a Skywalker who had a sister, who had a kick-ass friend in Wookiee, he would have won. And technically, as we found out, he did. Yeah, he survives to the sequel trilogy and kept the Empire going through the First Order. So that is a Palpatine. And then finally, the last of the Palpatines. Somehow, Palpatine has returned. Survived. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So yeah. those are the Palpatines. And, and if you think about it, that was a span of... Because we, we, we got to put the clone stuff. He, he did that ten, basically right when he was f- trying to make himself chancellor. So for, you know, 
if if we extend it all the way into the sequel trilogy, dude, we're looking at like 70 to 80 years of a long chess game. Yeah. And most of his major moves, the good guys did it for him. That's the mm-hmm. best part. Yeah. So. I mean, there are, you can go back in the history of Star Wars and look at Sith and look at what they were good at at their time. Uh, Palpatine is, is, is by far the master manipulator, the master at making other people do his work for him without even knowing that they're doing it. Uh, you know, you could go back and you can look at, uh, you know, you can look at Revan and say that he was a fantastic, like he was able to marshal uh, troops across the galaxy to come to fight for him. And he was, he was fantastic at being like this, this, this like traitor to the Jedi. Um, and then a, a leader against the, the open galaxy uh, but, but Palpatine himself is such a master manipulator that he doesn't even have to do the things himself. No. Like people just do <laughs> them for I him. I love it. Nick, would you argue that Sheev was the product of all those centuries of the rule of two and fucking each other over? I mean, was, you had to was be. he was was he a byproduct of all that that suffering and hate and anger? Over all those centuries and failure, was he kind of the guy? Like, he came out yeah. of all that failure as the perfect Sith. I think so. I think so. And it it was especially, it was the perfect Sith for the time. Because at that point, once the rule of two was implemented by Bane, and once there was, you know, once the numbers were not in your favor anymore. Because at the, in the past, the numbers were even like there were there were an equal number of Jedi and Sith out there. So you could have open war. But now when you're down to two Sith, um, obviously they're, you know, trainees, other shit like that. But two official Sith versus a galaxy number of Jedi, you you have to be manipulative. You have to be underhanded. You have to be able to to do political machinations and moves like he did to to make power for yourself. And he was the first, like really, yeah, he was the product of all of the the Sith before him, uh, seeing their failures, but also seeing, but in studying the way that things happen in the galaxy, things. Yeah, I, I would didn't say like happen. studying all the manipulations he saw yeah. them do. I mean, hell, he he ends up manipulating his own master. So, yeah, I, I don't know. He just really is like he. I know Darth Vader's always been the villain of star Wars, at least in books and on TV, he's like their representative, but Palpatine truly is the best big bad in all of cinema for, yeah, for no, actually I mean, accomplishing bad things. That's the thing. Most bad guys don't ever do the big bad thing that they plan to do. This guy did. He did. Yeah. I mean, and it lasted for 20 plus years. Yeah. I mean, he was, he started bad and he ended bad. You know, Vader had his redemption arc. Uh, yeah. but, but Palpatine, yeah, he's committed. Yeah. He Palpatine committed. was like the, <laughs> the most pure evil, you know, like I, there was no chance of a redemption for him and there, there was never supposed to be a chance of redemption right. for him. He was evil to his core. Yeah. I mean, you can, like you, you compare non-Star Wars villain, like Voldemort couldn't sniff Palpatine's ass. Like it's not even no. close, not even close. Mm-mm. This guy doesn't no. even need a fucking wand to shoot shit out of his fingers. I mean, he'll just he'll just shoot it out of his fingers. Yeah. I mean, uh, the amount of things that he got done without even having to to 
touch his lightsaber without even us knowing he had a lightsaber. Right, you know? <laughs> right, dude. Like, you, hell, even using the force. Like, he didn't even have to do that shit. Mind no. tricks, nothing. He was just a guy yeah. talking, 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 and talking. Like, it was all through his words, man. Dude had a silver tongue. God, I love him. All right. And it, I, I'm so glad. I think Nick, what, what made it even better is that Ian did do the voice. Yeah, he that, did the voice. He came back and did the Ian. voice for yep. them. Because this, this is... That little moment there in Bad Batch is as important as the, you know, I love democracy. I don't want these powers. You know, those speeches that he gave in in the prequels, you know, safety and security. Oh, yeah. uh, The new galactic empire. Like this one that happened in the Bad Batch in episode eight is as important as those other speeches and sets in motion things that will basically secure the reign of the of the. Uh, empire for the next 20 to 25 years. Hey, what do you think's wrong with the other senators when they see this guy come up from the floor? He's in dark black robes. In, in with the like, most evil way with possible. Like a, with like a Sith lock, <laughs> like, like, like a Sith brooch or something. His yeah. eyes are fucking yellow. You know, obviously they, he blamed his, his skin thing on the Jedi, but don't they just look at him and be like, eh. I don't know, man. Looks, like his, his his garb just screams evil. Like maybe yeah, he looks bad. Maybe we should like do something about this. He he seems kind of fucking scary and angry. Like what what are we doing? Why are we? Why is, is this is like, guy the emperor? Like look at him. He yeah. looks like a fucking evil dude. And it's like you can tell. Like you could see in that moment when he came up and that speech finished. You could see on Chuchi's face and you could see on uh, yeah, they're like, or- oh, Organa's shit. face. They're like, he fucking got us again. They're like, ah, fuck. Here he comes. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes they were Prune like, face. As, as soon as he said, the, the, he was like, the clones were the ones who attacked. The clones followed right. those orders from Rampart. They were like, fuck, man. We thought we had him. Yep. And he got us again. Yep. It's just, it like, even just, the way he talks, like the guy, you can't look at this guy and, and, and not go, yeah, he's bad. I mean, he's like, yeah. And the clones followed the order. It's like it even sounds fucking evil. But no, they're all like, okay, Emperor, yay. I mean, they're like, yeah, <laughs> Imperial Stormtroopers, woohoo. Crazy. Oh, love him. All yeah, right, no, good stuff a, he, there. He's the best. He's the best. He really is. He really is. Palpatine tattoos for everybody. <laughs> all right, uh, last top moment here. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I watched it again last night and it, and it got me for a second time. And we're talking about uh, Echo's departure. Uh, I absolutely did not see it coming. I was not surprised the way it happened. I, I mean, Echo has been the one since the first episode of season two. Like, listen, guys, we, we need to do more. We need to get involved. And he, he's also, he's not, you know, traditional clone force 99 he was a reg he was turned into a a cyborg of sorts by the techno union and and decided to join them for the time being but you could tell this season in particular nick he was really feeling that pull mm-hmm. so the fact yeah. that his original brother showed up again and and he's knee deep into resistance i mean we learned it here rex is he is a contact for clones that want to get out. Like that is what Rex is doing right now. He is a guy that will put his life on the line to go into fucking Coruscant to save a random clone named Slip. So, I mean, that he's, he's doing what Echo thinks the clone should be doing. But I did not see Echo leaving the Bad Batch this early in, in the season, or if ever. I really, I, I just thought he would eventually convince them, like, all right, let's start doing it. 
Yeah. So the fact that he leaves and the way they do it, and, and by that I mean it, like the conversation for him to leave took place off screen. But you could you could just tell when that moment was coming and, and the clones were like, all right, see you later, buddy. And Omega's looking over there hearing that stuff. And you could just see even in animation, like she starts to realize like, what the oh, one of my, one of my not, brothers is, is going to yeah. fucking leave like he's leaving me. And I think they did a great job establishing the connection between Omega and, and, and Echo over the past few episodes, even in this episode where they're talking about meditating and Gunji and all this type of stuff. And animated or not, I genuinely felt the sadness from Omega. Like Michelle Ong nailed the voice performance. Like she cracked it at the right times. You truly could feel that Omega was devastated at this news. And I also loved how they made her hug Echo and Echo's expression like, what? what?" Like that wasn't, he wasn't expecting that. Because, you know, I mean, Echo... He's been through the fucking grinder, my friends. I mean, his brain was essentially replaced with computer parts. Yeah. So it was, you could tell that it, it touched him. It surprised him that him leaving would, would, would make another clone so sad. But I think it also shows the dynamic that Omega has with, with Clone Force 99. They, they are a true family. And for a young one to, to understand that, hey, a family member's leaving me and I may never see them again. That's some heavy shit. So I, I, I think it was through Omega's pain, but also just, I, you know, Echo, I don't know why he, he's, he's touching, I guess. He, he's been around for, for years, a decade probably. I mean, way back in Clone Wars, went on a mission, disappeared, showed up again in the final season. We got him back in Bad Batch. So he, he's got some legs like a Rex and just knowing he's leaving the show, I was like, oh man, fucking Echo's leaving. It was just, it was a, it was a somber moment to an excellent two-part, two-part uh, mid-season drop. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was definitely, like I said in the beginning, I, I feel like these are definitely in the top five, if not the top three episodes of Bad Batch from season one to now. Um, and it really does, like, it, it highlighted all of the characters, like, strong points it, it highlighted palpatine's strong point manipulation it highlighted uh omega's emotional connection to all of the members of the bad batch it highlighted um you know senator chuchi and, and organa's you know unwavering faith towards democracy and towards you know a, a a senate that should work towards uh doing things to better the galaxy. I mean, I, I think it was, it was, a, it was really a, a masterclass in animation writing for this show. Uh, these two episodes, 100%. Yeah, it's good stuff. I mean, really, like I said, the, the voice actors, Michelle and, and D just, just great stuff. Poor echo. We'll, we'll, we'll see him again. We'll see him again. Yeah. Don't worry. But yeah. Yeah, I still think I, I was reading out there. Cause I get into some weird rabbit holes on this science fiction shit, but there's some people like, Echo could just leave. It's okay. You don't have to. Everyone doesn't have to have their story resolved. I'm like, nah, fuck you. No way. <laughs> you don't like like any of these any of these prominent clones in, in, in Bad Batch or, or Clone Wars. They have to be addressed because of what happens in Rebels. I, I just I don't believe a clone like Echo just goes and becomes a fisherman somewhere and never links up with Rex Gregor and Wolf again. It makes absolutely no sense. So sadly, they're they're gone. Something's gonna happen to every one of these motherfuckers, probably outside of Omega. And I hope they're holding on to Omega to develop her more into the live action Mandoverse series because there's there's so much potential if you think about it, knowing that she is the twin of Boba fucking Fett. 
Like, I wonder yeah. if, if, if we if they scratch that at all this season or if we're just going to be full into what's going to happen with the clones and ultimately where are things going with Crosshair and Clone Force 99. But I don't know. I don't know. So, um, all right. Shifting gears here real quick. We'll go through and, and, and break down some of the references and Easter eggs that were featured in these two episodes. Starting with uh, episode seven, we got some low hanging fruit here. Start things off in that clone hangout. I'd like to be there one day. I'd, I'd like to have a drink with some clones. Oh, yeah. But we had a, an 8D series droid there serving people, just like 8D8 from Jabba's Palace. Uh, up next, the Senate scene was was loaded with references. You know, we had Masamita coming up, the, the Grand Vizier, who was just recently mentioned in Andor by our friend Mon Mothma. We had Senator Pamlo, who, if you were here right before the turn of the year, I went through 11 characters from Rogue One that need to be in Andor Season 2, and she was one of them, and shit, they're listening because they, they're already starting to dabble and dribble her out in the Bad Batch. But Nick, I, like I said earlier, I think it was a very nice touch to include her as one of the vocal senators against the stormtroopers and, and, and trying to figure out something to do for the clones. It just establishes yeah. her as Team Organa at yeah. this point yeah. in time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Mr. Organa, obviously he was there too. You got to mention him. We talked about the blue guy, but uh, it was cool to see Chuchi again. Uh, at first, I was like, man, where is this uh, Pantoan from? I know I've seen her before, and, and or Pantoran, I think is what they are. And sure as shit, it finally came back to me. And, and we, we've said it a million times so far. She, she was in a shit ton of Clone Wars. So if you're new here and Bad Batch is something you're just coming into... Go check out some Clone Wars. You will see where uh, Ryo came from. So all great little uh, Clone Wars references right there. Here was a deep one. And I did have to rely on the internet a bit for this, but I kept looking at Bale's droid. I'm like, I, I swear I've seen this motherfucker before, and I know I've heard the R2-C4. And sure as shit, Nick, and I, I don't know like how deep we want to get into it, but... I'm going to go with right now, this is the R2-C4 that is in Star Wars Resistance. Oh, because wow. Okay. There is a, there's an R2-C4 in Resistance. He's blue. I think they got a little yellow on him, but, I mean, literally, he's R2-C4, so we're just going with that. Yeah. So it's a nice, nice little touch there. Even though Bale is long dead by the time Resistance comes around, droids aren't organic. They can live. There you go. So that, that was probably the deepest cut. And for you uh, Martez sister haters out there, I'm sure even though these episodes were excellent, you probably still grimaced a bit when you realized that Rex was taking that uh, unnamed clone and Chuchi to their shop in the lower levels of Coruscant. But that was a nice little reference to the final season of Clone Wars. And as we know from season one of Bad Batch, Nick, the Martez sisters are directly working with Rex in the name of resistance. So they are useful after all. All right. So moving into episode eight, we've got a few more to go through. Um, up first, I know some fans have been wondering, but we finally figured out where this character has been. And no, it is not dead. Gonky lives, my friends. Honk, honk. <laughs> we finally got to see Gonky again. He showed up in the Bad Bat ship. And uh, we also, some callbacks to items on the ship, we also saw at the very end, 
um, Omega playing with Lula again. We haven't seen that in a while after she was kind of dealing with the loss of Echo. Uh, I mean, yes, Echo. Speaking of Echo, in one of the conversations, I don't know if everyone picked up on this, but he directly mentions his time on Skako Minor. Yeah. And, and that's where he was turned into essentially Lobot. Like if people haven't realized that he was turned into Lobot. He's, Lobot he, V1. Yeah, he's not <laughs> he's not like full clone anymore. The the dude is a he, he's got some cybernetics. Uh, what what do you call people that are organic and cyber? What's it called? Androids, cyborg. Right? Cyborg, 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 cyborg. Yeah, yeah cyborg. Androids and, are all met like all robot with like human yeah, skin. Yeah. Yeah. So the gonk there, but yeah, nice stuff. And we also had another return of a Clone Wars character, Hallie Bertoni. Uh, I remember her in particular. I believe she's the one that foiled Padme's resolution to essentially end the war. Uh, um, uh, Bertoni right here was, was one of the ones that kind of foiled those plans. And as you heard, she has become a disgraced uh, center, probably not even a center anymore since she doesn't have anything to represent. There's no planet. The, yeah, yeah, the Empire no... fucking iced her civilization. And then last but not least, we spent some extra time on this young man, but we got to mention it again, mostly because Ian returned. So I guess that's a voice cameo. But he yeah. also dropped Imperial Stormtroopers. So the, right. the, the genesis of that program. Here we go. All right. So we usually speculate on what's going to happen at this time, Nick. But I just want to move right into the next Bad Batch story because I think it's going to help us speculate for tomorrow and this big tease that D. Bradley Baker is providing on Crosshair. Does that sound? Does that work for you? All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, real quick, let's go ahead and, and predict the next episode, which is going to be called The Crossing. So with a title like that, Nick, The Crossing, coming off a two-parter, I, I think things get a little bit light again. Uh, I, I think we stick to one of these self-contained episodes that will have inklings of the overarching narrative, but The Crossing seems like it's going to be uh, one of these like task type of, of missions that, you know, you're going to get in clone wars or the bad batch. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, the crossing is hard in terms of a name. It seems like it may be like a, like an inter, like a planetary type of mission mission mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. batch goes on their first mission without echo. So you'll have a lot of like, in my opinion, you'll, you'll have a lot of Omega kind of dealing with Echo being gone. Okay. Um, adjusting to life now with the Batch uh, without one of their premier members. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like, what I would assume is is that there's probably a, a fun little romp that they go on, either having to cross, like, the crossing itself probably references something, like, in the mission that they have to yeah, accomplish right. like, or something like, like that. Like, it's like a stream, don't cross your streams, or yeah, an actual stream, yeah. <laughs> a river, a lake, a pond, you never know. No, I, I think you made a good point. I, I agree. We could see some some fallout from Echo leaving, especially with Omega. I like that. Kind of maybe slowing things down a bit, pumping her back up, letting her know, like, all right, it's good. We good. We're a team. We still got our shit to do and our shit to worry about. So 
don't worry, Echo is fine hanging out with his old Captain Rex. All right, Nick, so this next story is we, we're going to get to put our speculation hats on, so go ahead and whip that thing out of your pants. <clears throat> Excuse me. This comes from D. Bradley Baker, who essentially is the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch. He, he's, he's all the of the clones. He's the guy. He is the guy. So, um, you know, he sat down with StarWars.com, Nick, to talk about season two. And uh, in particular, he started talking about Crosshair and how Crosshair has only been featured once so far and we're halfway through. But what D said is very intriguing and it's something I want to play around with to kind of see if we can crack the code to figure out what may he be talking about. So in this interview, Baker Baker explains like, like, listen, Crosshair hasn't been featured often this season. Um, but don't worry, his conflict with his former brothers is, is still going to be central and all that, all this jazz. Uh, but he, he made it sound like coming up Crosshair is going to have his own episode towards the latter half of the season. And here's his quote. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's exciting considering it's coming from the guy that brings all these characters to life. So yeah, all, all he knows. All right, so his story becomes very, very interesting. Again, talking about Crosshair. My favorite episode is a Crosshair episode. It's coming up about three quarters of the way through. It's a really interesting story, and his own personal journey is particularly particularly interesting to me. It's a real standout this season. Okay, so with that knowledge in tow... You know, you know, you and I, we, we could start spinning our tires right now trying to figure out, all right, what does this mean? But the fact that he tells us it's coming up three quarters of the way through. So, you know, technically that puts us in episodes 9, 10, 11, and 12, correct? Does my math check yeah. out? Would that would, yeah. those would be that the does, three quarter episodes. Does so check out. we just talked about episode nine, The Crossing. I, I don't think that's going to be this episode. Mm-mm. Episode 10 is called Retrieval. I don't know. That, still kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Eh. Metamorphosis is an interesting one. Right. Metamorphosis I, in the outpost is kind of where I'm thinking. Metamorphosis in particular. Yeah. Is kind of where I'm at that we may see this, this crosshair episode. Again, one six shooter. I mean, the crossing, it, it very well could be a play on crosshair's name and the term crossing. Him. Crossing sides. Exactly. So with that in tow, Nick, you know, it could be the crossing retrieval metamorphosis outpost going off what Baker is saying. It's going to be a personal journey. It's interesting to the guy that brings this character to life. He thinks it's a standout. So what, what are you anticipating based on what D has told us? So let's, let's think back to this, um, to this Palpatine speech that just happened in episode eight. Why, like, how did he hang all of the clones, basically, just now? He hung them all by saying they followed orders. Right. And what has been Crosshair's mantra from episode one, season one? Good soldiers follow orders, especially post-order 66. Good soldiers follow orders. That's why he chose not to leave with the bats. Right. That's why he's chose I like that. I like where you're going here. Go. Yeah, like, that's why he's chose to stick around. And that, and now, once he finds out that Palpatine has essentially ordered the extermination of all of his brothers, all of the clones, because they followed orders, 
what does he have left to fall back on? Nothing. Like he, he justified everything that he did up to this point by saying we were built, we were made to follow the orders of the people who are in command here, whether it be for public or empire, we follow orders and we, that's what we're supposed to do. When we follow orders, we get rewarded. And now you essentially have the admiral of like the admiral of all the clone forces, Admiral Rampart being, arrested and you have the dissolution of the clone forces because clones followed orders. He has a very big decision to make now because what, what can he do? He can't just simply yeah, th- rely on this. that mantra I anymore. This. I love this. I, I um, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even think in that, but you're a hundred percent correct. Like you would think Palpatine's speech should be the the thing that breaks cross crosshairs good soldiers follow order spirit yeah. it should i guess the interesting thing is does he continue to clutch those pearls does does he somehow convince himself that hey you know what fuck them that was their fault they shouldn't they shouldn't have blown up i don't know i, I but i i think you're yeah. right i i think it has to give him pause if anything to be like oh shit this guy who already hates me just got locked up for following orders. Clones are now bad guys for following orders. I have t-shirts and fucking tattoos that says good soldiers <laughs> follow orders. So what the hell yeah. am I supposed to do? I think you're 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 fucking spot on. The question is, I, I also don't think Crosshair is a guy that can just flip a coin and be like, okay, um, I gotta find my guys and I'm gonna go fight the Empire. Like I, I still think like he's gonna have to go through some pain and misery. To to truly be like, okay, shit, yeah, oh yeah, this this and like ain't the place for me anymore. Yeah, and 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 metamorphosis is an interesting point in this because metamorphosis you can take in a couple of ways. Metamorphosis in terms of uh, the the empire itself, like the empire is is morphing into a a fighting force that is now run by conscripted soldiers. Like Palpatine was saying in this speech, let the people that we're protecting fight for themselves. That is a huge change from having a built and bred military force of clones that did all of their work for them. So that that whole structure is morphing. And you have to imagine that because this is now being this isn't like a a secretive thing anymore before them trying to get like the, the Empire trying to get rid of the clones in nefarious ways was very secretive. You know, when when Rampart shoots that fucking clone in the back of the head, throws him off that that dam, that was one way that they were trying to get rid of some of them. Now it is an open effort. It's not even an effort. It's an open thing that's happening. So now Crosshair has to, he has to go through a, a process of metamorphosis to figure out like, okay, if I'm not this anymore, what am I? And I think that that kind of speaks to the, the next part of D's quote where he says that, um, like he essentially says that that crosshair is not evil crosshair is not like he's not an imperial lackey like he's a very rational person and there is humanity in his in his being so when he sees all this happening he has to go through a process of metamorphosis to figure out like okay if i'm not this i can't go back to my my brothers I can't just simply walk back to the to Clone Force 99 and be like, hey, guys, I was wrong. Let me back right. in. Like, what am I now? What, what, like, what does he become 
now that he can't be what he's been his entire life. Well, yeah, you, you would feel like a dickhead going back to the Bad Batch. You're like, oh, yeah, guess what? You guys were right. <laughs> yeah. He can't like, just hey, walk sorry. back and- yeah, you know they would take him back, but I, I think him and the, and the type of person Crosshair is that, that yeah. no way. Like he, you're right. Like no. he's got to come to some sort of self discovery, and it may not be. I need to go rejoin my guys. It, you know, yeah. we, we all have to be prepared for that too. It could be I'm I'm still going to fight for the Empire. He could he could make that yeah, choice. He could. But Nick, the other thing I want to add to your great point in that how is Crosshair going to process this move by Palpatine? We also got to remember that someone he greatly respected and Commander Cody essentially sat him down and said, hey, bub, you and me, we're different from those machines because yeah. we, we can make our choices and we also have to live with the fucking consequences. And you, you, you can't tell me that that shit hasn't been weighing on Crosshair's mind since Cody dumped it on him. And then Crosshair learned the day after Cody fucking peaced out. So, you yeah. know, the dude's already a mess. And, and I think that's why, you know, episode three was so great. Just seeing Crosshair in that solitary confinement. His room feels like a fucking prison. No other clones want to talk to him. The guy is in a bad, bad, bad place. Yeah. So that is it's going to be interesting. How is he going to handle this now i mean he, he's gonna have to have some serious internal negotiations on on who he wants to be and and how he wants to serve moving forward so yeah i mean honestly dude all, the the crossing is starting to to almost make sense to me like i i, I mean one six shooter i it, it, the points are valid yeah, you know what yeah, i mean crossing yeah. over the empire i, I mean who knows uh metamorphous a tipping point shit I mean, that, that's another one that just stands out. This is a major choice going to happen. Tipping point. I mean, that, that could be it. So um, I, I just like getting that insights from, from D, considering he is, he's the guy that brings all these dudes to life. He, they, they've already laid out the episodes. He knows what's going on. But when you have a guy that gets to act and, and play, you know, four or five different lead roles, the fact that he's saying, hey, Crosshair's my dude. He's got one of the best yeah. episodes of the season. I'm I'm gonna take that as not smoke he's blowing, but he personally feels like this is gonna be a banger. So yeah, I'm, I, I I'll take it tomorrow. I mean, if the crossing's it, let's go. I'm all for it. We don't need to wait. I just feel like based on the way they the, the cadence has been, the way you know uh, with Brad and Jennifer have been rolling things out, I feel like we're in for a little less of a uh, you know, narrative punch after getting those two we just had last week. <sighs> kind of let things simmer. You know what I mean? I, I feel like they're going to let, let us simmer a little bit on those two so we can get the people back to bitching about how Bad Batch it's, sucks and <laughs> is useless. And then they'll drop a, a banger on you a week or two later to remind you that yeah. you're, you're dumb. You need to have patience and realize it's a fucking cartoon and you're not going to get this type of stuff week in and week out. It's going to be sprinkled yeah, no. in there throughout the season, but this is not Mando. This is not Andor. You're not going to get this connected 12, 16 episode story that plays out over two or three months. It's just, that's not how animation's designed. It's, it's done differently. And you are right. I mean, typically they'll hit you with some heavy and then take a couple weeks off and then they'll come back to it. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see because that is like, it's such a strong two episode, like, uh, like back to back, especially 
to have these two episodes dropped at the same time that it's like, man, it would be so easy to just like continue that momentum. Uh, but they, you know, they don't do that. Well, like you know that they don't typically you just, do that. You just reminded me of something. Look what happened at the, at the start of season two. Back-to-back episodes, great. And then they hit us with the Crosshair standalone money episode. That's true. So That's true. There, I guess there is there there is precedence. Maybe, maybe. There is precedence there to is have precedence. A, a two part and then they get a standalone Crosshair after. So we we could all be in for a treat tomorrow. You never know. But make sure you got those browsers or your social media apps tuned to at Star Wars Time Show on Instagram because you know yours truly is going to be dropping that short form content. Speaking of, I got. Last week, what we got? We got all the Bad Batch stuff is up there, and I also have the latest Darth Vader quick cap and review, and a great issue of Hidden Empire, which is continuing Kara's fight against the Sith. So make sure to check those out. They're a minute or less. I get Micro Machine Guy towards the end, but people seem to dig them. I don't know why, uh, but this is where we're at. We, we've all realized that humans only conform uh, shit-produced short-form content So that's what you're going to get. So don't forget, check us out at Star Wars Time Show on YouTube every now and then in between Tuesdays, okay? We we know we got the Tuesday crowd, but I I still, I I get my voice out there at least a a couple more times a week. All right, good stuff there on the Bad Batch, my friend. Moving on to The Mandalorian, which I don't know if you all have been looking at your calendars, but we are two weeks away. Say that out loud. Two weeks away. And it's crazy to think that we've gone over two years since the last true season of it The Mandalorian. I, you know, Book of Boba Fett, two and a half. Sure, uh, it was not The Mandalorian. But it's coming up March 1st, so not next Wednesday, the Wednesday after. Which means, my friend, all the you know industry rags are coming out with their big interview pieces. It, you know, we, we, we were used to it with Kenobi. You get your Empire spots, your Insider spots. Uh, you know, EW. So all that stuff is starting to happen right now. Uh, so <clears throat> Empire's the first one to start uh, dropping some new Mandalorian season three interviews and imagery. So we're just going to talk about a few of the quotes that I found to be interesting, starting with the lovely Katie Sackoff reprising the role of live action Bo-Katan, who started as animated Bo-Katan. And the interesting thing here, Nick, is she explained to Empire that essentially in season three of The Mandalore, because of all the time she's spent with the character of Bo, both in animated and now going into two years of live action, that John Favreau and Rick Famuyiwa both relied on her heavily into how she thought Bo would be feeling during a certain scene. And I thought that was kind of cool. Like, hey. You know, usually the directors, they're, they're telling you, no, this is how it has to be done. You need to go from A to B, do it this way, this tone, this style. This is how your character would feel. Over here in Star Wars land, it sounds like, you know, these guys that are writing the material, they're not, they're not being overlords. They're actually going to the actors that have inhabited this character in Katie's case for over a decade at this point. Yeah, so yeah. here's what she said. 
I've lived in this woman's skin for a long time now. One of the things that John and I focus on is where she is in the moment, what peppers her experience. John and Rick every single day defer to me, which is a crazy experience to have these masters asking me what I feel. Evolving from a solely voice role to a physical performance, it's still the same Bo-Katan inside. It respects the craft and the years that I have put in. I really don't doe know her her pain is my pain when she experiences something i really feel it so i i just i i think what i dig the most from this nick is is katie's dedication to the character because i think that's just going to provide for a a a better on-screen performance and and it's going to be important this season because i i do feel just based on these early marketings i don't know how much you've looked at that Bo-Katan is essentially going to be the third lead in Mando S3. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially with this centering around the future of the Mandalorian people, um, it makes sense for her to be a very central figure in season three. Um, I mean, especially for those of us who've watched Clone Wars, who've watched Rebels, who know her story leading up to this point. And, and also not just knowing her story, but knowing like how much she dedicated to the cause of Mandalore and to the cause of the Mandalorian society, whether it be, you know, foolishly when she joined Death Watch or whether it be you know, kind of the position that she's in now leading the night owls and trying to, to kind of rebuild the Mandalorian society back to prominence again. Like we've seen the evolution of this character over so many years, like you said, nearly a decade to this point. And, and Katie has been a part of it the whole way along. And this was, bef- this was before John Favreau and, and Rick Famuyiwa even thought about star Wars, right. you know, like, I'm sure this is back when they were still fans I mean, watching. Bro, bro John and John and Katie were co-stars. I mean, John yeah. was the voice of pre Like, yeah, he, yeah, exactly. he was the leader. She was the number two back then. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it makes perfect sense that they would kind of defer to this because, you know, especially in the Star Wars universe, I feel like it, it happens more often, especially like with big franchises like Star Wars, where like, you're not playing a character. You kind of become the character, you know? And, and that's why you can defer to the actor to say like, well, what, what do you think she would do here? It's different than if you're playing a, a one-off character in a movie and you don't and, have and any I relationship. Think really, even, even, even beyond the, oh, they, they relied on Katie. It's important to, to remember the arc of Bo-Katan because that's going to come into play in this season. Bo-Katan is a frantic character. She does not have her shit together. She might have looked like she had her shit together in season two of The Mandalorian, but she absolutely does not. I mean, just, just listen to her. I, I need to get the dark side. I mean, that, that's how she was the din in episode three. Like, she's laser focused on that fucking sword because of her failings when she had it. But we also have to remember, she's one of the reasons Mandalore society split in half. I mean, she yeah. is just as much to blame as the Vizsla family for the fracturing of Mandalorian society on Mandalore. I mean, she had to go live on a fucking moon while her sister ran the place. That's the other yeah. thing. Bo comes from a royal line. That's, that's why I think everyone's got to be prepared. Bo-Katan is going to be a big-time player 
in season three. A lot of the shit on Mandalore is going to revolve around her and how she is going to process what Din's trying to do with the sins of her past and what she wants to be now. Is she going to keep trying to fracture Mandalorian society? Remember, she's Kool-Aid drinker, you, you zealots, you helmet-wearing crazy people, essentially. Is she going to be able to work with them? She needs to, but is she going to be able to get over all the shit from her past? And on the other hand, yeah. will they be able to get over their shit in the past? Because as, as we've said, I, I, th- I really think the season's going to be like Mandalorian faction, Mandalorian faction, blah, blah, stick out your tongues. Okay, we, let's resolve our differences. And now we got to come together against this darker force. Yeah, but exactly. it, it, it's going to be some bullshit before they get there. And a lot of the bullshit's going to stem from these leaders, which are Bo, the armorer. And then you got our guy caught in the middle who's just like, listen, I just want to be back in the crazy church again, people. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, I like, don't I didn't, care. I didn't know what this sword meant. No. I just beat the guy up. Right. <laughs> and that's why I did. He, he truly is a character of destiny because he, he never had any intentions in this shit where Bo-Katan, that's been her passion since birth. She's always wanted to lead. She's She wasn't able to because her sister was older. She didn't like what they were doing on Mandalore. Broke away so she could get some of that power with Death Watch. It, I'm telling you, it's all going to line up. All these motherfuckers have a past together. I, I I can't wait to see what the armor is, who she is. Like, I want that answer in season three. I'm completely off the rails at this point. Bo-Katan, Katie Sackhoff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait, man. I'm so excited for Mando. Like, it's no joke. I, I know I've been bitching him. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do double duty. And yeah, that sucks, but... We're now on the episode three of season two of our Mando rewatch, and I, I just—it's fucking Star Wars gold, man. It is. It, it it holds up. All the moments still pop. It's hard not to sit there and be like, "Yeah, Din, Grogu, listen to him cooing." I mean, it just—it's—it's it, it's magical. It really, the Mandalorian really has that Star Wars magic that not many Star Wars properties um, have been able to infuse in themselves and then make fans go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs like we all have been doing since 2019. So um, I, I, the other interesting thing to note from this interview, and I'm not going to read the uh, the long quote, but I, I didn't realize this. You know, everyone gives Pedro a hard time because it takes three people to bring Din to life. Well, I just learned now it takes five people to bring Bo-Katan to life. So, you know, you, you never know who really is behind those fucking helmets on set at, at any particular day. Um, so I, I thought that was uh, enlightening a little bit because everyone everyone's busting on Pedro for essentially being Joel the entire time they were filming Mando season three and just showed up to do some VO. But it seems Katie uh, gets dubbed out, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why stunt people exist. To do the, you know, to do and that's the why these doubling. motherfuckers like how how do we still not honor the stunt department at, at at during award season? I mean, award season's fucking stupid in and of itself to have rich people patting themselves on the back for acting well. I mean, yeah, I yeah. love That's cinema. A congratulatory. Yeah, thing. I, I, don't get me wrong. I, I love the art form. I love cinema. It's probably my favorite form of art. Truly, I love it, and they are talented. All right, actors are talented, but the fact that they spend two or three months every year going around getting wined and dined and giving more money than they need and having smoke blown up their cooches left and right, it's like, okay. But the fact that stunt people 
don't get represented at the Oscars or, or Golden Globes. It's a travesty. I mean, they, they do costumes, makeup, set design. How do you not honor the fucking people that literally die? Yeah, die. Bring bring the action to life. To, yeah. d- We've had stunt people dying left and right on, on you know, Walking Dead, a dude died. I mean, the, the shit still happens because of the danger shit they do for these lovely people to stay looking lovely. So there you go. There's my two cents on that. Let's go. Let's go, Academy. You know, mm-hmm. it takes you weeks to, to punish a guy that walks up in a public venue and smacks another man on stage, and, and you can't get the fucking stunt department represented. What a, what a sham. All right. Moving on from uh, in the Empire coverage, Nick, we got some other quotes here. Here's Pedro kind of telling us what he loves about season three. And he's just saying that season three really opens up the world in terms of Mandalore and the Mandalorians. That means so many different facets of culture, Star Wars politics, woohoo, and rules and discoveries. Delicious doors are flying wide open. He didn't say much, but he said a lot that I like. Okay. The fact that yeah. politics is in there after we just spent what, 45 <laughs> minutes jerking each other off over how great Bad Batch politics were? I mean, come on. Yeah. I'm down. Let's go. Especially Mandalorian politics. Come on. Let's do, do it. it. Put that shit on fucking C-SPAN. I'll watch it year long. Uh, moving on. We got another one from Katie. And again, this is just like a tease. There's really not much we can do. Nick's probably ready to punch me in the face. But um, uh, Katie revealed how blown away that season three gets uh, in, in terms of like how deep of a dive season, season three takes into Mandalorian culture that upon first reading the script, she texted John and Dave and was like, are you serious? This is an <laughs> epic season. It's so big and so bold and so different. We know the family that she was born into. Now what's the family that she's going to choose? What does that look like? So see, man, like I said, I feel like just as much as Din's journey to redemption and obviously Grogu's growth, I think Bo's just figuring out who the fuck she wants to be is going to be a major part of season three. And I'm down. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, she, all she knows is that she needs to like her mission in life is to, to resurrect in some way, the Mandalorian culture, because at this point in the galaxy, it's been wiped out for decades, you know, like it, it's not like this is a fresh wound that she's carrying. I mean, no. the Mandalorian way of life and culture has was eradicated it, it, by it, the hell, empire. Not, even, not really even call it just society. There is no Mandalorian yeah. society. They, they don't even have a civilization anymore. They, they, they live in yeah. fucking sewers. So it's, <sighs> it's going to be interesting to see like her, her journey. I, I almost think more so than than Din's journey. I think that her journey, especially for longtime Star Wars fans, is going to be 100%. such an interesting thing to follow and see where she ends season three versus where she was when we first met her uh, is going to be fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, hey, definitely. like other famous characters that we latch on to, she is from royalty, technically. Yeah on Mandalore. So she definitely has a lot to say and she has claims there here, there and everywhere. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I I really, I mean, this could, it could be full on Mandalorian, Mandalorian, Mandalorian until the empire shows up and starts doing their shit. And then they, they, you know, snap out of it and and, and start moving, but we'll see. 
14 days away, man. It's uh, that is a that's a Tuesday night. I know I am not going to sleep well. I just <laughs> I, I barely sleep for Bad Batch, and it's not so much excitement for Bad Batch. It's I know I have to do something, and in the morning when I have to get up early and I know I have to do something, I, I can't sleep. It's just I don't even have to set alarms. If you're like, yeah. hey, dude, you got to be up before seven, I'll wake up at 5 30. Like it just it, it'll happen like clockwork. Uh, but man, though, it's going to be a genuine excitement, like that feeling in your belly. Santa Claus is coming. And when I get up tomorrow, there's going to be some fucking presence under that tree. In this case, it's going to be S3 E1 on Disney Plus. Oh. OK, we're, we're sticking with the man, though, real quick here. Um, we got some nice uh, new concept art here. I, I like how they did the perspective on this to make. Grogu look like he's the state puff marshmallow Yoda. (laughs) So it it is, it's true concept art, but it is from season three. So it looks like at some point in time, Grogu is going to find another aquatic animal to uh, essentially eat eat to (laughs) extinction. Uh, You know, we just finished a frog episode. It's just, it's hard not to laugh at that guy. I mean, even to the very end, after the mom saves him, the mom saves him. He then stares at her tank so uncomfortably that she hugs it and turns away. But then we see the little cunt had an egg stashed in his undies that he pulls out and eats anyway. <laughs> it's like this guy, he's fucking, he's a terrorist. Uh, but anyways, you know, he's going to be eating these little mud crabs. But the important thing here is that uh, Rick Famuia drop some insights into Grogu and, and, and how we should expect him to be used in season three. Cause if you think about it, season one, season two, it was that father cub dynamic. Like he truly yeah. was helpless. It was, how can we, how can we rescue the baby? Then I need to deliver it to its own kind. So, it, I mean, he was kind of a prop, you know what I mean? So here's yeah. what Rick is saying about Grogu going forward. There will be things in season three that once again have people talking about Grogu. I, I don't think that's enlightening, right? I mean, he's cute. Yeah, clear every every season right. there's something that yeah, pops people up. are like, oh, did you see him do that or the hand thing? Okay, so that, that that's not the big deal. Um, in incremental ways, he's growing as a character and in this partnership with Mando, as this relationship grows. Grogu has to become more central in things that are going on. He's now firmly at the hip of Mando in every adventure. The purity of the character brings out the best in the people around him. This next season continues to attach to that idea. So really, Nick, I think what Rick is trying to say is that Grogu is is going, he's transitioning from an accessory to a full-fledged character that... That may actually become more a part of the story and the what's goings on than he he ever has been before. And if you think about it, it makes sense. He has spent some time with a Jedi Master. So you you have to figure he has learned a bit more about his Force abilities. And B, he chose the life of a Mandalorian. He's got his kid on. We've seen it in, in the trailer. He's, he's got his, his chain mails on, and, and he did. He made the choice with Luke. Thanks, pal. I don't want that creepy old Yoda things lightsaber. I want to return to my dad. So it, it does sound like Rick is saying that he's going to go from being the thing that constantly needs to protected to potentially the thing that is getting directly involved in whatever Din is getting involved in. Is that how you yeah. process that? Yeah, I think that like 
at this point in his journey, he really like Grogu really does need to like become a a character of his own. And when I say that, I mean like not like he needs to have his own agency at some point. Um, and I think that that's kind of been one thing. Cause like for me, Grogu's kind of getting a little old already. Like, you know, he, he has only been to this point, a, a plot device that is used to kind of drag other people along in a certain direction. And he's never had his own agency. Obviously he's a baby. He's a 55 year old baby at this point, whatever he is. Um, but I think and I hope that in season three, he starts to become more of his own character and not a character that is just driving other people in a certain direction, um, whether that be through his own ability to protect himself and the others around him, like we've started to see in the last season um, or just his ability to communicate. And I think I hope that starts to come up soon is, is more of his ability to communicate with those around him. Um, whether it that, be through- that's a great fucking point, man. Cause I, I don't, I don't know how they're going to establish that because we, we do know their race can speak basic, yeah. but we, we can't just have him and Din miming shit to each other. You know, like, yeah, like hey, you need me to do this or like, yeah, for, we're, we're, it's I a mean, one-sided like, conversation where we just hear what Din's saying. Yeah. I mean, and, and like to a degree, like. You like Star Wars fans kind of got used to a relationship like that with Chewie and Han and Chewie in the in the yeah. OT gang because well the like, droid R two as well R two as well but like there was still communication that happened like there was like even though we didn't know what Chewie or R two were saying to Han or Luke or Leia they did and there was right. a communication and there was a right. conversation that happened that like we could understand from a one sided perspective I we am- don't even know like. It Dude, I, I think you're, that I, I think you're spot on. I, I don't know how they, they're going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I just, is it like baby talk right out of the gate or is he immediately dropping sage ass wisdom? Cause he's been around for 52 years at yeah. this point in time. And, <laughs> and the thing is, is like, we've are like, we've seen him communicate through the force with Ahsoka. So we so, know that so, he has. All right. Like the, ability I, I was, I was, I was going to go right there. Would you be okay if they somehow establish that he can now do that with Din, at least putting his his thoughts in the Din's head, so Din can kind of through ESP or you know telepathy, they they just like him and Ahsoka how they talk. It's not necessarily you need to have the Force to talk that way. It's I'm thinking like as long as one person has the Force, they can and we know this they can get in into your head and, and at least tell you their thoughts. I don't know. Like maybe yeah. there's some way they they just make the force sound and Din's like oh yeah okay I got you all right good and and Grogu coos like all right mm-hmm. would that work or I, you need him speaking English I would be fine with that just as long as they like as long as he has a way to communicate on his own um so yeah I would be totally fine if like they establish a means of communication through the force. And you can have those similar conversations like Han would have with Chewie, where Chewie's just sitting there rrr, 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 barking like a dog. Right. And then Han is responding to him like he just said a whole sentence to him in English or in basic or something like that. Okay. So, if, so as long but, as you're getting that, you're okay. It doesn't necessarily yeah, yeah. have to be words. Cause, cause it doesn't Trevor have said, to be like Yoda. Yeah, it doesn't. Because now one other thing that we have to be prepared for is like now we know that Yoda talks like Yoda talks because he, of his master. Like it's not like... 
you know, the 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 people in Yoda's race all speaking yeah, backwards. Been, you're right. Ta- Tales of the Jedi clean that up for us. Yoda is a true like drug addict. Like that that guy, yeah. he he did too much shit in the High Republic era that his brain is stuck in reverse. Yeah, and he so, needs to talk that way. But yeah, I I just I don't know how they make him talk because you can't just have the dude start talking like uh, Yaddle. How's that? I didn't want to say Yoda because yeah. people would think I'm. It, it would almost have to be like not cuckoo caca, but but you know toddler speak. Yeah, like so it, food because like the, that shit. Like that, I I don't know how he just starts communicating because yeah. because now they've they've already established with like his coups and like baby kind of babbling that that's like the phase in his life that he's in. Um, but I will say that like they like I hope that they don't keep him as this like mute character forever who can it would only be funny to see that little fucker just start like <laughs> I, yeah thank ferrick like it's it's in its little pod and you know thank ferrick the, the best first words ever <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean because like i i and like i don't i don't dislike grogu as a character but his the novelty is starting to wear off right. for me right like and well, I, I needs- dude, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think that's what Rick is is trying to tell us. Like, listen, he's. Yeah. I mean, he even says he needs to, as this relationship grow, grows, Grogu has to become more central to things going on. By that, I'm I'm, I'm assuming like he becomes a player, and like yeah. you said, be, by becoming a player, you have to communicate. So. <laughs> I'm with you, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they they do it because they have to have some way of talking to each other if they're literally buddy buddy now going around the galaxy learning how to navigate the galaxy to be a Mandalorian and and restoring their honor and uh, with the crazy people. Yeah, I mean the, the the they they have to grow beyond just the coups and the nods and pointing at stuff. I'm with yeah, you. Yes. All right. I'm with you. So yeah, well I mean we'll see what happens, but I really do hope that that happens in spring. So yeah, you you got hey man, you got some fans here in the chat. Stormtrooper Barney, great. Nick has <laughs> ruined Grogu for me with well thought out points and need for character development. Ha ha ha. Seriously, good points though. And then hey. Bats agree, agreeing with you too. Grogu needs to advance. It's getting stale. Okay. Um, I'm just a sucker for cute. I I, I still have my one to one Grogu out, and it sits with us when we watch The Mandalorian. Yes, I am that devolved. But I enjoy it. Okay, I love. I my think to- if we like my if toys. we go through all of season three without him establishing a point of communication, whether it be through your boycott, whether it be through you're out. I'm, I'm not boycotting. <laughs> you're you're gonna like, burn your Grogu merchandise. But I don't have any Grogu merchandise. Um, he becomes a puppy, and that's all he is. Yeah. Like he 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 becomes the dog that follows around the main character but the dog has some cool tricks that it can do. Like, it, 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 and like, I don't think that that's what they want him to become. I don't think that the fans want him to become that either. Like after three years of, of being with this character, and I know it's not three years in universe, like he has to start to have his own agency and he has to be yeah, able to, I, to I think you're, I think you're spot on, man. And, and I do think that's what Rick is trying to tell us, obviously with shackles. Cause he can't just be like, Oh yeah, Grogu. He's going to talk, does this, that, <laughs> and the other thing. He, he sues for peace. He rides a Mandalore or uh, I'm sorry, a mythosaur. <laughs> hopefully he's not yeah. riding a man. If he's riding a Mandalore, hopefully it's Bo-Katan, right? Yeah. Just on the, yeah. <laughs> nice little rim shot there. <laughs> but do boo. 
yeah. Welcome to the Star yeah, Wars I mean, we'll time see. show. I, because I, yeah, like I'm, I'm well, not dude, tired I mean, of Grogu. But think about the, think about the leak that we, we talked about probably a year ago it, it, in regards to Grogu. Like if that plays out, that's some agency, right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, like if he's, if he's strapped into that suit and, you know, kicking ass and taking names and we're, we're getting there. I think we're getting closer to what you want to see Grogu become. And oh, I'm, yeah. I'm with you too. Although it is going through season one and two, it, it, I'm still okay with him just being a little puppy and a little cute guy that likes to eat a lot of shit. Um, but I, I agree with everyone. And, and they're telling us he, he's going to become more central. He, he's going to get there. I don't know if he's going to be dropping sets at Caroline's or anything like that, but I, I do think there will be, as, as Nick is hoping for, at least on the level of Chewbacca and Han or C-3PO and the droids or, or anyone with R2, we'll get that dynamic where they know what they're saying to each other and, and that's good enough. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for playing there. Moving on. Cassie and Andor. Set leaks already. Already. And yeah, guess what? That's crazy. That, that, the, that. Two, the two standout characters really from, from season one, I mean... No, not Kino Loy, but Cassian and Luthen Rael. So uh, th- there's really not much Nick and I can go on here outside of just kind of wondering what they may be doing. But just to set it up, Unbox PhD snagged this, this video. Uh, this takes place in London. So they're currently shooting in London, which to me, Nick, implies that they may be shooting Coruscant scenes that have Luthen and Cassian on Coruscant, which is intriguing, or if anything, they're at least shooting on a planet that is in the inner rim. Okay. Cause you're, yeah. you're not going to, you're not going to choose London as a shooting location for the outer rim, right? Those are all yeah, your sand desert and planets, shit planets. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. um, and, and we already know for a fact that they use a lot of London locations for Coruscant, like where, uh, um, Cyril lived that that's apparently some complex in London that and uh, where Cassian got arrested that was in yeah the, oh, the, that the, was near London right exactly. uh, there's a few uh, where uh, what was her name damn it I'm already losing her names oh hell uh, Luthen's uh, number two who I think v, uh, uh, v, Clea v, her name Clea 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 and Val 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 or yeah they met somewhere in London either way so if we're looking at these shots, if we know that Cassian and Luthen are, are shooting scenes in London, to me, like I said, it implies they're either on Coruscant or they're they're somewhere in the inner rim on a developed planet. All right, that planet that actually has cityscapes and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, it, it, you know, Luthen's he's he's whipping a new he's got like a new cloak. It looks like he he replaced his lighter beige duster for a darker uh, brown one. Cassian again is whipping a pimp coat like this guy if anything yep. he, he always has a great Good coat style. to wear so it, let's just go with the the idea that they're on a a populated city and we'll just say Coruscant why would these two dudes be hanging out on the streets of of a Coruscant like city yeah I mean at this point it's pretty clear that Cassian that that Luthen has now realized that Cassian can't just be disposed of as he thought before. Yeah, I mean, at this point, they're they're, they're teammates, right? They're they're yeah. on the same they're on the same page. And I think that now is the point of acceleration that Luthen has been kind of talking towards. Like he's he's planning, he, like 
probably season two is planning the acceleration towards like more like bigger and more um obvious action that will out the empire as he'd been hinting at towards like in season one a lot it's like we need to ramp up we need to ramp up because when we ramp up they ramp up and when they ramp up everybody sees it um and i feel like now that Cassian has kind of established himself as somebody who can't, not only can he get things done in terms of like, this is your mission, go do it. He's, we've seen that with the Aldani mission, but we've also seen him orchestrate a fucking prison break and, and yeah. you know, all of this. So like, I, I feel like it's probably conversations around like, what, what do we need to do? Like, what's our next big move? To, to so really like a, like a check in kind of like a like yeah. a like they're, they're they're checking in like okay this is an order this is an order what are you looking like because I I feel like at this point in time not that they're equals but I would think Luthen probably treats Cassian as a as a star asset or, or kind of like how he was treating Vel as, as yeah. someone that he can trust to go run operations on his own if they're not together is that kind of what you're you're getting at yeah. I think so. I think like it's getting to the point to where Cassian is kind of like a, I don't want to say a lone agent, but he's like a team leader, you know? Yeah. It's just, I don't, it's like, why would these two be meeting? Uh, Luthen's not in his disguise. Clearly he doesn't have his, his wig on as Trevor's saying, he's got a Jedi cloak. All right. We'll run yeah. with it. Why not? It's, it is Brown. It is that dark Jedi Brown. Uh, but I mean, it could also be that they could be on a mission together. You know, something is it has gone squirrely enough that for some reason they, they've brought themselves together. You'd think that they'd never want to be together for too long because you would lose two valuable assets of this uh, rebellion movement. But it could be uh, the situation could be so dire that they had no other choice. Kind of like, you yeah. know, Bad Batch Rex had to come to Coruscant. Clone Force 99 had to come for Coruscant, the last place uh, rogue clones should be, but they did it because shit was dire. So, yeah. Um, but like, like I said, not much we could riff on here, but it is nice to start to see, you know, some of the stuff leaking out. It was always fun to, to kind of eye these things up. And then a year or a year and a half from now, two years from now, we can be like, oh, I remember that, you know, just like we did with Andor season one. I mean, Neomos was where a lot of our. We we had a lot of leaks from uh, yeah. the shooting Womp Rats dude hooked us up. And a lot of our leaks were the uh, Neomos scene. So that stuff's always yeah. fun. Okay. Last, but certainly not least, before the fan segment, we got a, a little bit of news. So clearly we don't have to spend a ton of time on this. And it's not really meant for the Star Adults. Wars time show audience unless you have your own little ones. Because last week... It was announced that Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures is a new animated series slated to hit uh, Disney Plus and, and Disney channels on May the 4th. And if you're on the live stream, we, we, we've got some of the early graphics released. It's a very stylized, like 3D animated look. The show, they're not even fucking around, Nick. They're like, yo, this is this is made for preschoolers. Okay, they're, they're getting it right out there. Like, listen, this is... This ain't the Clone Wars, this ain't Rebels, this truly was built ground up for younglings, real world younglings. Okay, so the series is going to feature Yoda and Jedi younglings, and it's going to be set during the High Republic era. So that right there is going to get me to tune in. I I was going to watch it regardless, even though it's meant for you know, people with with soupy brains. (laughs) They really don't even have a brain (laughs) formed yet. 
Uh, but I'm going to check it out just because of the High Republic setting, and I'm sure there's going to be some value to it, even though it's it's mostly going to be like life lessons on how not to be a piece of shit. Okay. Uh, the cast of characters, in addition to Yoda, are going to be Jedi younglings Kai, Liss, and Nubs. And then their friends are Nash and RG83. The voice cast is loaded with recognizable names. You've got uh, Jamal Avery Jr. is going to play Kai. Juliet Donafeld as Liss. D. Bradley Baker. Look at that. Keeping it in the family as he, he Nubs. He can't go anywhere without having a Star Wars job, this guy. Hey, good for him, man. Like If, if you can yeah. make your cash in a, in a franchise for decades, good on you. Emma Berman as Nash Durango. Jonathan Lippow as RJ83 and Peter Michael as Master Yoda. Uh, like I said, uh, here, here's the uh, official description here created specifically for preschoolers. When developing Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures, the first Star Wars series created for preschoolers, the creative team never stopped thinking about how this show may be a youngling's first step into a larger world and their first time experiencing the limitless potential of the Star Wars galaxy. The show's character's tone and the life lessons woven throughout each episode were written just for them. And our talented team was committed to honoring the cinematic legacy while staying true to the expectations of parents for the youngest of audiences. You know what? Like I said, I know this ain't our type of shit, but good on them. I, I, I love this. I, I, I wish I had something like this when Charlie was a tiny tot because I got her right into the meat. And I think it burn her out. It was too much, yeah. too much to it's, take in. Like she, she doesn't hate it, but she doesn't even remember half of it because it was so much. Yeah. And it's, this is something that we had brought up long ago about star Wars is that in order to make a franchise, in order to make a series last for generations, you have to have content like this for that is designed, built and delivered to little kids. Uh, so perfect. I mean, like, this is the perfect opportunity uh, to, like you said, indoctrinate your young ones into yes. the force at right. an early age. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, I, I used other methods. I had the, you know, the child books, the picture books, and then by two and a half, she was naturally asking for it. Oh, I want dog you, Vader. I mean, Star Wars Kids YouTube, the droid tale, stuff like that. I mean, right. all of that is, like, built towards ensuring that there is a future for Star Wars far into you know the the years right. you, beyond us you got to keep the license in front of humans because that means they'll just spend 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 the older they get and the more drawn into the universe they get it happens right it happened to me it may happen i, I don't think my kid's gonna be nuts with it for better or for worse <laughs> all right holy hell we made it fan segment um, good show today, though. You know, it was always fun when Nick's back and, and we, we went some, on some hardcore tangents during pop culture talk. So you're, you're going to get longer shows with that. But we have made it to our dedicated fan segment. And we do this every stinking week. So if you're a fan of our show and a fan of Star Wars, this is a playground you want to find yourself playing in because we loop you in. We incorporate you and we talk about you during the fan segment. So the first way to get involved in the fan segment is the question of the week. Every Tuesday on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show, we pose the question in our stories and on our profile. All you have to do is somehow trick the Instagram algo to show us, to show you our new posts and you comment on it. As Nick was saying, since 
A lot of people aren't heavily engaged with Bad Batch, and since if we don't post anything but Star Wars art, it goes nowhere. Not many people comment, but that's on you. Every Tuesday, look for it. Add us. Notify when at Star Wars Time Show posts. Do whatever you got to do to get us back in your feed. So this week's question, Nick, as it's been throughout the run of the Bad Batch and will continue through Bad Batch into Mandalorian, what was your favorite or least favorite part from the two-part Bad Batch mid-season episodes. Okay. Uh, we had a, we actually had a few runs on uh, story replies, but they're kind of short. We're starting here with Barney Stormtrooper, or Stormtrooper Barney, who is joining us live. Welcome, welcome. My favorite and least favorite part was seeing Echo leave the Batch. Good for the story, bad for my emotional stability. <laughs> Haha, looking forward to the stream today, and we are looking forward to talking about your comment. So thank you, Barney. Uh, I think you heard me during the, the echo part. I'm, I'm, I'm right with you. It got me all mushy and it was definitely a, a standout moment. 100%. No, I, I like this Barney character. There's a few new ones popping up, Nick, that I'm starting to like where the, you new actually, fans coming in. Yeah, there we go. It actually feels like they like us to the point where they actually share our content. It's a fucking miracle. It's like some of these new people. There's another one, this, this Michael Mansell. Another one, like even my like comic book, she's like, hey, check this out. That's all I'm ever asking for, my friends. No money. If you like us, you say I like us. Just when you see our content, share it with other people. You never know. So, all right. Thank you, Barney. Our boy, Rippick underscore underscore tan. Short and sweet. Palps. Bing bada boom. All right. Moving yeah, on from there. 100%. Fallen Jedi. My favorite part was, in fact, the political arc with Palpy again being ahead of everyone. Six we moves ahead, baby. We agree. We uh, went through a detailed breakdown of that. Make sure to check it out, Fallen Jedi. And I think the last story one, this comes from, he was in the chat earlier, but this is Bango, a.k.a. Kevin, mobilizing the entire cruiser as part of their escape was pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I like that, too. Hey, some, sometimes Wrecker has good ideas. Right? I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then, Nick, you grab the I, two. Yes. <laughs> the two from the post. All right, take it I away. I grabbed a couple of those for the post. Nova Toy, uh, Toymation says, for me, it has to be Palpatine with McDermott returning to voice the role. Anytime we get to hear... Uh, anytime we get him back in Star Wars, content is a gift, as who knows how much longer he'll be able to do it. Oof. Already talking about Ian potentially yeah, saying no, bye-bye. No, Nova just cursed Ian to death, yeah, so Ian will be dead full, by the weekend. <laughs> Watch out. Curse. What an iconic speech and huge moment in Star Wars history. Ooh. Good, good. Yes. Uh, for those wondering, Nova Toymation is our longtime fan SW Black Series clips. He is rebranded. As Nova Toymation, that's right. Nova Toymation's a good... Uh, and then Panda Boca, he that. says, love seeing the story push forward and some light being shed on the clone phase-out. There we go. Plus, like others have already said, the Ian McDermott Palpatine appearance was a perfect twist. All right. People love some Palpy. There we go. The baddest man in the galaxy, but everybody loves uh, him. I tell you what, man, isn't it amazing what, what a dose of... Star Wars politics will, will do for some Star Wars fans, you know? Hey, man. It's like, hey, we finally push this. It's like, hey, this this is how animation is. Everyone be patient. I'm telling you, by the end of the season, you're all going to be happy. You're, you're yeah. going to get a little bit of everything. The Clone Wars, I think we, we now look at it with rose-tinted glasses, but there are many, many seasons where there were episodes that was like, 
I don't even know if you could call them standalone. It's like, okay. Yeah, it was just like there random shit. <laughs> yeah, there was that. <laughs> All right. So that is the fan the, the fan segment. Like I said, Tuesdays at Star Wars Time Show on Instagram. Look for the prompts. Drop your thoughts. You never know. Maybe we'll talk about them. In fact, we probably will because we don't have that many people that listen to us and actually want to engage. So there's usually barely enough to even have this segment. So have at it. Part two of the fan segment is why everyone is here, and that is the top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. We've been doing this for over four years now, and the way this works on Instagram, if you're an artist or a Star Wars fan, a cosplayer, whatever, anytime you throw up a post that is Star Wars themed, make sure to add tag at Star Wars Time Show and use hashtag Star Wars Time Show. I'm not saying you have to do both to be considered for a feature. I'm just telling you, if you really want us to see your work, you need to add tag Star Wars Time Show. Not at Star Wars Time Show, add tag Star Wars Time Show. Then every morning, I will go through the tags that we get and the hashtags, and I will feature them out on the account. Then after seven days has passed, Nick will sit down in his um, lounge, right? He'll uh, grab himself a Rob Roy, get himself a pipe, throw on his glasses, pull up a book, and he will pick his five favorite out of all those I have featured. And that is what we talk about on the show. So, Nick, who did you grace the top five with this week? First up in the top five this week is at Brande double underscore Giove, G-I-O-V-E. And what Brande has given us is a, <laughs> is a fun, I, I love uh, these kind of outside of universe Star Wars uh, shots that we get from the photographers and artists sometimes. And this is a perfect example. We see Darth Vader and a couple of stormtroopers playing giant Jenga but of course, Vader's cheating. He's using the force. He's got one stormtrooper lifted up, <laughs> clutching on to one of the Jenga pieces, holding off for dear life. The other one shielding himself from all the pieces flying around. And, and like, like I said, Vader kind of in his magnificence, just kind of standing there and, yeah. and force moving around all these little blocks. Good, he really good is. He's like the big boss sitting there. He's got you know one arm behind his back, the other one using the force. And his poor little minions are just like, damn it, boss. Can't we just play the right way? <laughs> I, I do. I like the stormtrooper reactions, especially the one yeah. that, that's about to get the green Jenga block on top of his head. Dropped He's like, oh, shit, head. watch out. <laughs> and the other guy's like, I'm not letting this piece go. I was going to win. I, I, it, it just is. Like you said, fun setup using the little guys. These look like three and three quarter inch. Uh, but as I was telling you, Nick, I mean, look at that. Only 59 likes on us. I mean, reach, I know, I saw that reach everywhere is fucking dead, people. Like, I, I know people have been coming after us. Uh, you missed it last week. We, we got attacked again for not featuring properly on Instagram. Someone mm-hmm. took the time to call us out in like a 10-minute a long story. I thought it was fantastic. But IG in general, there's just, it, it's fucked, okay? Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw a guy, Sergeant Bananas, one of the original, if not the original oh, yeah. toy yeah. photographer, one of his posts, I think, got 50 views, and, and the guy's wow. got like 50,000 followers, so it's fucked. Do what you got to do. Keep doing it. Add tag Star Wars Time Show, but yeah, this was a great one from Grande, double underscore Giove. 
I will say this too, for, for like when you have haters, you're doing something right is what I've always oh, been yeah, taught. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I uh, dig it. So, uh, the fact that, that anybody takes, uh, 10 minutes out of their day to post on their personal Instagram about the fact that they don't like how we feature makes me feel like we're doing something there you go. exactly the way we should be doing it. There you um, go. So good stuff there at Grande underscore underscore Giove on Instagram. Yo, next, next up, this we is a have, wild ass creation, huh? This, this is oh, wild. Shit. This is from hold at, on, hold on. I've done the thing where I don't. <laughs> this is the best. This is why I need like a fucking intern to actually drive <laughs> the show while I'm trying to do the show because uh, they haven't seen any of the shots yet. So hold on. Oh no. <laughs> Don't worry, they're coming. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Thank you, Linda. We speak your name, or I would have gotten the whole top five with the (laughs) with the question of the week displaying. There you go, Linda. Hopefully, you can see it now on the stream. I think the delay probably have caught up, but that's the shot we were. We just spent five minutes talking about that no one could see. So hey, now you live streamers know what it's like for the podcast only version fans of the SWTS. You really got to use your imagination. But there you go. The live stream should be fixed. Thank you. So here we go. Moving on to the next one. Go ahead. Next up at Paul Brown 12. Like you said, Matt, a wild shot here has turned a, a B1, a, a B1 variant battle droid into a dark <laughs> Lord of the Sith. And uh, by doing so, he has given him a, a nice soft goods cloak, very uh, unstable red lightsaber, and he seems to be forced choking right. out a B1 battle droid of his own. And this, I don't know what this Dio is that he's got going on here, but this thing looks so badass. This awesome red-eyed yeah, kind like the, of... Uh, something you would see in hell. Head. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have heads, uh, skulls on spikes uh, on, on this bridge that he's standing on. It's just a fantastic set up an execution here from uh, yeah, Paul hey, Brown. Like you said, it, it's a good looking shot. I, I like the background. I like, you know, some of the effects going on there. It looks like that might be in post, but who cares? I, it's the concept that does it for me. You, you get like this Geonosian battle droid, you know, the ones that are kind of had the red, Darker. red paint, orange paint, whatever the hell you want to talk about. His eyes are red. He's got like Nick said, he's got this, you know, kind of blown out chaotic lightsaber, force choking Roger, all right, for a better, uh, yeah. you know, for a lack of, of uh, who knows which battle droid Not this is. Me. They're all Roger to me at this point in time. But yeah, just cool. Cool idea, good execution, pays off at Paul Brown 12. Good looking stuff. Give him a follow. Excellent job. Next up for the top five, at Boozy Manchild again. I still love that handle. Boozy. It's Manchild. a great handle. Uh, this is another shot where you're where you're essentially kind of off rolling whatever your uh, your primary picture is. So we have a a stormtrooper commander whipping a green lightsaber and a blaster pistol, clearly in the midst of battle. I wonder. I wonder if this is like a like a hidden Jedi that's like you know dressed up. This, as a you know what this is, dude. And, and, and I'm gonna sound uneducated here, but this stormtrooper comes from a comic, and I, I think his name's. Creel or something like that, but he he actually okay. is a stormtrooper that had a lightsaber for whatever reason. Nice. Um, so yeah, I I don't I don't know how he got it. Again, I this is these would be Legends comics, I believe. So it's been yeah, deleted. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, either way, stormtrooper with a green lightsaber, and then if if you ever seen Boozy Manchild, go check him out on Instagram. He's he's got this very 
you know, poppy type of, of style where I don't know if he just ratchets up the contrast or whatnot, but everything it just has this very sharp contrast to it in, in the I, shots. I love deep color saturation. I'm, yeah. I'm the type of person who's like not really upset if like something looks way too blue. So, you know, or something like that. And Boozy Manchild does that. I think he definitely ups the color saturation on some of his shots. And you could see it here a little bit, but it works so well. I mean, you get a good like a uh, little bit of lens flare right there off the top of the stormtrooper's head, that that nice bright green of the yeah. lightsaber with the orange uh, heated flare from the from the pistol. Uh, just overall, well you know executed, what? beautiful looking I, shot. I really, I just like that it is, it's kind of a low light shot and then they relied on the effect of the lightsaber to light that side of the trooper's helmet. Like I, I do like yeah. how... The, the trooper's head is not being lit by, you know, like a like an overhead light where it's dark. So the, the, the lights from the what's in the picture, in this case, the lightsaber is is providing the light on that side of the trooper's bucket. Definitely. Good stuff there from Boozy Manchild. And, and I, I pretty much I turn into a Boozy Manchild on the weekends. That's going to become <laughs> my my alter ego, the Boozy Manchild. Yes. Good. Make sure to give him a follow on Instagram. Uh, next up at 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography. One of our favorites here at the star Wars time show, giving us a badass Neo Boba shot. And we see him just doing what he does, wrecking, uh, stormtroopers in the middle of this, this little densely forested area. And you can see that he's got, you know, Mando has been known for using, uh, using whistling birds. And, uh, that's what Boba Fett's doing too, except his whistling birds seem to be attached to his knees. Right. Yeah. So um, we, we, we got to see him use those, I think in book of Boba Fett, his are more like little missile. Oh, I guess. Well, fuck with a whistling bird. It's a little missile. So yeah, missile. <laughs> but no, dude, you know what? It's, it's that effect to me that really <laughs> sells this shot. Cause he, yeah, it's, he like traced the, smoke, the trails. smoke trails perfectly on all these you know, doing just like they did, like we've seen in the show where they don't, you know, the whistling birds, they, they kind of take a roundabout way to get to their targets. They, they're not usually yeah. just shooting straight into them. They kind of launch out like a true missile and hit their arc and then come down on their their target. And that's uh, 97 captured that effect beautifully in this shot. Hey, he really is. I mean, trust me. We, the, the second person that, that hated us for featuring, they, they brought 97 up again. You guys feature oh too gosh. much. It's like, well, yeah, because he's good. Okay, yeah, he's a fantastic next. photographer. <laughs> I'm sorry. What do you want from me? I don't uh, take his shots. He does. Yeah. Like, uh, no, I mean, uh, you know, 97 is a, is a fucking top tier uh, toy oh, photographer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's hard not to, to feature him when he puts out work like this. I'm sorry. But yes. For those of you out there who don't follow him already, 97 underscore parsecs See, underscore th There was a shot where I knew because you didn't watch Bad Batch yet, you probably were going to miss it. And, and Press Pause Photography did a recreation of Palpatine's Senate oh, shot guys. this week. And it was, it was, it was aces. But I was like, I, know, I, I, I have a feeling Nick is not going to see this one. Or he'll see it, but it's not going to... not it, get the... Right, like, like the, the meaning wouldn't resonate. Uh, but that's why it's, no. that's why like last week I was bitching. I don't like picking the top five. I love treating art as it should be subjective. Like yeah. I feature what I think looks neat, and then Nick goes, "Well, out of what you thought looks neat, this is what I think looks neat," and that's fun. Yeah, and then you know what? That's what makes this whole segment 
uh, one of our favorites during the show is we get to, you get to throw stuff at me and I get to, you know, put some of them up on the wall to share with all of the rest of the people. Yeah. Who Last week I, lo- I went probably a little too deep into why certain artists get featured over others. I, I got maybe a little too honest with some people. It's like, listen, we, we get some crap and I, crap doesn't sell. Okay. In the end, I, I, we want to share things that look good. Exactly. Like, like what we see here and what we see here from at Swit Picks for the last entry here on the top five. Uh, Swit Picks put together uh, the full pack of items that that Mando has to lug along with him, uh, especially pre meeting Boba Fett. Because well, yeah, season two, uh, <laughs> episode two, because you remember those dickheads blow up his speeder. Outside yeah. of most Eisley, so after he kills them, he then has to g- get all of the shit he won from killing the crate dragon. So Boba's armor, the meat, like the meat bags he has yeah, with him, actual- and, and of course Grogu needs to be there too. Yeah, so he's got his jetpack, Boba's jetpack, Boba's helmet, Grogu in a sack, the crate dragon meat. He's got you know slinging all this over his shoulders. Plus he's got his rifle on his back. Plus, he's got his jetpack. Uh, sometimes you just don't really appreciate what a good, uh, you know, a good speeder storage can do for you. Exactly. A good uh, ship storage can do for you. So you don't have to lug around all this stuff. I thought that Swidpix did a great job of, of one. I mean, he's got to get all this shit attached to the figure and still have this figure not fall down. Uh, immediately. Yeah. OK, uh, little insights here. I want this figure very badly, but I am not going to do it because of what you just said. Trying to get this pose set up is a recipe for disaster for someone like me. Just complete disaster. Like there, there's no doubt in my mind within three minutes of trying to get this this setup of Mando with all this shit on him. I would probably rip him in half or rip his head off or smash a helmet, punch Grogu in the face, you name it. Uh, because there's no way this is an easy feat. That's why I said at Swit Picks with the Hot Toys Balancing Act, because that's exactly what it is. And uh, another reason I, I decided to pass on this figure outside of I already have two Mandos and I have one that looks just like this is I learned that it employs this shitty head neck system that I talked about a few weeks ago where... If if Spencer wanted to change Din's helmet to Din's head, Nick, he would have to essentially get this black generic neck piece out for the helmet to sit on, which which plugs into like the ball joint at the at the chest piece of the figure. So you, fingers don't get down in there to, to get my Boba Fett off. I had to use a hairdryer. For a, an extended period of time to loosen the plastic, then I had to get fucking pliers that scratched the shit out of the plastic neck to pull it all out to get fucking Tem Tem's head onto the figure. This that, thing employs the same system. I will never buy those types of figures from Hot Toys again. It's so fucking stupid the way they design these things. Just that is insane. ridiculous because. They have other helmeted figures that don't use this shit. I mean, literally, Bo-Katan. You put her fucking helmet on a peg or you put her head on a peg. Why did we have to change it for fucking Boba Fett and Din Djarin? Sexism. Yeah. It's sexism, <laughs> damn it. No, I don't. Who knows? It's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fucking stupid design choice, and I hope the guy at Hot Toys fixes it. Either way, 
nice setup for Matt Swit picks. So Matt right. Swit picks. There we go. Sometimes so this segment Swit works picks. me up. I know you, you get like all the secondhand anxiety yeah, shit just <laughs> fucking triggers me, man. These damn figures, dude. I, 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 it's not normal at all. Like this is all me problem. I need help. I should go see someone, but there's a reason I don't do as much toy photography as I used to. And there's another reason why it's hard for me to even get my head to like, all right, let's do it. Cause I crumble when these, when my subjects don't perform the way I expect I melt inside like, like baby, like, <laughs> like starting to freak out. All right, buddy. Is that it? All right. That is it. That's the end of the top five. And that's the end of our show. Uh, Matt close us out. That's right. Real quick. I'm trying to get Instagram to load because I have a, a closing message that I want to let everyone know, especially fans, because this is for the fans and it's even better than honoring fan art. Uh, last week, I, I talked about the possibility of us doing a cool giveaway, and it has come to fruition. So if you're on the live stream right now, I'm on at Star Wars Time Show Instagram, and I'm pulling up our giveaway reel. So it's it's out there now if you haven't seen it. It, it actually got some pretty damn good play early on, Nick. Like, you know, lots of likes, lots of comments. Uh, but we've we've kind of partnered up with Nin Nin Game. This is a, a Japanese retailer. I think we're working with the French oh, wing of it. Um, I used to, I've, I've actually bought from Nin Nin Game personally. Uh, they, they're pretty quick with shipping. You can get a lot of the SH figure arts and, and uh, overseas figures that you can't get here. You can get them early and get them cheap. And, and like I said, shipping isn't bad. But anyways, to get mixed up into this giveaway... Well, hell, I should tell you what we're giving away. It, it's a kick-ass figure. It's the new SH Figure Arts, the Book of Boba Fett figure. Okay, so that's no joke. These things usually it's, over here in the States retail for $60, $70, $80 a figure. Uh, and, and we're partnering with Ninden Game to give one away. So all you got to do between now and next Friday, I'm, I'm going to let it run for two weeks, even though it's useless since it's been buried already, but we'll keep talking it. I'll keep sharing the story, but if you want to get involved here, all you have to do is follow at star Wars time show on IG, follow at Ninin game on IG. And then in the comments, tag a friend there, according to my contact over there. And I will, here's the caveats. I have not worked with their ambassador team yet. So who knows if a rug is going to be pulled out from us or not, just be prepared. All right. It can happen. But he seems good. I've had other ambassadors reach out after this and be like, hey, we're working with them too. So far, so good. So I feel a little bit better about it. Uh, but there's there's no restrictions. Ninin Game is, is pledged to ship the figure anywhere around the world. So if, if you want to get involved, at Star Wars Time Show on Instagram, follow Ninin Game, N-I-N underscore N-I-N underscore game on Instagram. And then on our post for the giveaway, just make sure to tag a friend so they come in and juice the algorithm. All right. At the, at the end of two weeks, we'll, we'll curate all the comments probably in a spreadsheet and, and do so, some sort of random name picker to announce the winner. And hopefully Ninden Game pays off and actually ships it. Because with our luck, Nick, I'm sure that won't happen and we'll be accused of a scam. But what else is new? Have- what else is new in the land of Star Wars Time Show? We are a fucking scam. All right. As Nick said, that does it. Okay? Giveaways. We give you two, three hours a week. We got shorts for you to in between the live streams. What else could you what else could you truly ask for as a Star Wars 
type of fam. So to help us out, we need you to head on over to StarWarsTime.net. This is where you need to tell all of the new potential recruits for the SWTS where to go. StarWarsTime.net, they can find the podcast links, they can find the YouTube links, and, and that's really all we want from you all. Keep recruiting. I don't know where these new listeners are coming from. If you ever want to let us know, please do. Is it still just all from Instagram? Hopefully not, but I'm guessing it is. We'd love the insights. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Because like I said, numbers are way up and they've stayed way up for three weeks in a row, which is could be a sign. But we need to know because to Nick and I, we're really not doing that much different. So what, what, what has changed? What has happened? Is it the short form, shitty, not produced content? Let us know. Like Devin is telling us, there's always time for Star Wars time, and he is not wrong. We just need more people to understand that. Okay? So keep it up. StarWarsTime.net. That's the best place to send them. There's always time for Star Wars time, as our friend Devin is telling us in the live stream chat, and don't you forget it. Okay? Bad Batch, tomorrow, at Star Wars Time Show on YouTube, IG, and TikTok. You'll be getting our early release breakdowns. Don't forget, I get them out there hot. Probably before some of you motherfuckers are up. Because there's always time for Star Wars time. There truly is for me. Look at the shirt. I love Star Wars. Okay? It's a fact. And besides, if you do listen to the Star Wars time show, the Force will be with you. Always. Always.